News. Sorry, Catherine, I, as, as usual, I wasn't really paying attention to your news. Did you say that fella that called the 999 about 20-odd times got an £85... £85. An fine? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Well, it's got me angry. I was in a good mood. I had that Friday feeling, and now I'm angry. So this fella calls up 999 about 20-odd times over a few years. He gets an £85 fine. You get more than that for dropping a crisp packet or a fag butt. Send him to prison for six months. No, I'm I'm properly angry now. Stuff like that annoys me. Don't mess around. I have had... Okay, listen. Okay. When I was a boy, when I was 13 years old, I did a prank call to 999. I'm not proud of it. I know. I know I did it. And the woman who answered the phone told me off. She thoroughly told me off. And I went, I'm really sorry. I did. She shamed me. Good for her. I'm really sorry. You won't do it again? No. I put the phone down and go away. Okay, thanks. That's how I ended it. Okay, thanks. Good for her. And I've had, I've had occasion to call 999 several times. We'll start the show in a minute, sorry. I've had occasion to call 999 several times, but police and ambulance, never the fire brigade. Never the fire brigade. Um, and, and they've always been excellent. And this idiot does it just for, for jollies. He does it to get some kicks. And he gets an £85 fine. It's almost worth doing it, isn't it? That works out at about, well, I don't know, £3.50 a call. It'd be cheaper. You, you get, it's more expensive to go and find a dirty line. I'm, I'm angry now. A dirty line, that's what they're called. And that I have done, I'll be honest. Don't. I'm angry, sorry. Don't know why I'm angry. We've got lots of good stuff coming on the show, including this fella that puts up spikes to stop cats going into his garden. I'm angry again now. I've got a feeling it's going to be one of those. How do you stop? Other people's pets and cats coming into your garden. It's, it happens. Well, a man in Bedford has put spikes on his fence to deter his neighbour's pets. His neighbours, of course, are really upset. An investigation into this programme, uh, by this programme, not into this programme. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Should we start again? Yes, let's. An investigation by this programme has found that more than uh, 300 children in the three counties have been diagnosed with serious depression. We'll hear from a Milton Keynes mum about the effect it had on her daughter... From the age of five. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy today's show or not. I'm getting angry with everything. Um, oh, here it goes on again. Part of Harpenden High Street could be pedestrianised. Shops said will be bad for business. They've launched a petition. Jonathan Vernon Smith was furious about this on Twitter. He was calling the council Muppets. I don't know if he's allowed to do that as a BBC employee, but he was doing it. Well, we've sent our Muppet correspondent Justin Dealey out there to find out exactly what's going on. BBC Three Counties Ooh. Radio. I'm angry today. All of these stories... All of these stories have got me angry today. They, they really have. I, I'm furious. What, what I need is I, I, I need something to cheer me up. Anybody got anything I can have to cheer me up? How about this? I'm really good teacher. <laughs> yeah, sexy, sexy Polish lady. That's cheer me up. Now I'm feeling better. Now I'm feeling better. Oh, I there we go, and a, a, a drunk woman shouting in a studio. That's better. If you want to get in touch, lots of ways to get in touch. Uh, 08459 455 555, the phone number. It's the preferred method of choice. At the start of the show, all of the lines are free. So now is an excellent time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. Now, BBC Three Counties has discovered that more than 300 children in beds, hearts and bucks, aged between 5 and 10, have been diagnosed with serious depression. 
and the number is rising. National charity Young Minds, a mental health service for young people, says they've seen an 18% increase in calls to their help centre, with one of the top issues being depression. Well, Francesca is a mother of two from Milton Keynes. Her daughter developed depression after being severely bullied at primary school when she was five years old. Morning, Francesca. Good morning. Francesca, what happened to your daughter? Um, my daughter was, as you said, severely bullied at school, um, and it, it, it affected her confidence, it affected the way that she looked at life, um, she became very withdrawn and unhappy at the age of five, which was very sad to see. Yeah, of course. How, how did you get it diagnosed as depression? Um, I actually took her to see my GP. Um, my GP did a number of, he, he sort of tried to do the Glasgow scale on her. What's, what's the Glasgow scale? The Glasgow scale is a, a list of questions that you answer, um, honestly, as honestly as you can. Um, and what that does is it diagnoses your level of depression. It's used for adults and it's used for children. Um, and it, yeah, he went through the questions with her and he discussed that and it, she didn't have severe depression, but she was depressed. And what, um, what treatment was offered? Uh, counselling was offered, uh, as well as, um, trying to instigate sort of plans with the school to try and deal with the bullying in the end the school um didn't exactly deal with it in in a way that i was happy with it took me over well well over two years to try and at least instigate something and in the end i actually removed her from the school to try and boost her confidence and make her a bit happier and mm. once i did that that actually worked the, the doctor didn't, didn't give her medication or anything, did, no. did he? Okay, no. right. I, I refused the medication. Did, did he offer it? They do offer it, yes. Well, antidepressants? Not exactly antidepressants, but they do offer sort of vitamins and things to try and boost their, mm. um, their immune system, to try and obviously up their happiness rating. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. What I, kind of bullying was she, was she um, suffering? Because uh, uh, kids are little so-and-sos. And it's, you know, bullying is a common thing. So what were they doing that was so unique to, to your, your little girl? Initially, it was name-calling. Um, for instance, she'd be called the weird one in the playground. Um, and gradually over the years, it got to then, uh, it became physical. Um, she'd be pushed and shoved in the corridors, thumped and kicked underneath the, uh, the tables in school. And then, and then her sort of uniform started disappearing, and we noticed that um, sort of PE shoes and things mm. were being taken. So it, it sort of gradually grew over time to become a really big issue. And at that point, I thought, no, I'm not prepared to have her go through what I went through as a child. Um, so I, I had to step in and remove her. Uh, and how is she doing now? She, she's at a new school. Is she, she faring better? She is, yeah. She's a lovely, bubbly, happy little girl who's very confident Good. and who is um, very much enjoying school. That's excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Fr- Francesca, the thing that concerns me as a dad, and my boys are three and one, yes. is just labelling children as young as five with the term uh, d- depression... Do you yeah. under, does that make sense? Not yeah, in any way to denigrate from what happened to your little girl at all, no. of course. I'm not saying that it's fantasy and it didn't happen. Of course it did. But just that term depression on a five-year-old, that kind of fills me with, with fear a little bit. I think um, depression in children is becoming an increasing problem with the economy as well. They're really feeling what? the impact um, from parents losing jobs to right. parents losing houses. They're seeing arguments between parents. 
um, they're hearing conversations. Children are not silly. They pick yep. up on everything. Oh, they absorb everything. Um, oh, yes. Exactly, as you very well know. Yeah. And I think that they are hearing what's going on. They are feeling the tension in the house with mum or dad losing their job. And it does make them feel very sad and upset. It does upset them to the point where maybe they are depressed. I, I never used the term depression with my right. daughter. Yeah. But maybe that's, that's also the cause. Listen, I wish her lots of years of happiness. I'm glad that she's kind of settled down and is starting to Thank enjoy you. life. Thank you very much, Francesca. Well, there you go. What do you think? 08459 455 555. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I, I can totally empathise with that situation. And obviously, everything that happened to that little girl is horrible uh, and is real. And I'm not for one second throwing any question marks over that at all. But that just labelling children as young as five with the term depression, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. So, a, a challenge has just been laid down by my producer, Laura. I'm struggling with Twitter, OK? I'm finding it, it's, it's pointless, really, isn't it? I can't quite delete it. But I've just said that I'm going to... I'm, I'm for today, I'm not going to tweet anything. So, a day at a time. Just for today, right? That's what they say, isn't it? My producer said, I bet, oh, I bet you can't get through to Monday. You want me to do the whole weekend? Well, I'm, <laughs> that's what you sound like. Unless you're doing your posh voice. So, I'm, I, I'm not going to tweet anything. Until Monday. Until Monday. That's, I know it doesn't sound like a long time, does it? But I'm, I'm certainly going to have a go. That's what we're going to try. I'm trying to find a comment that was on uh, that was on Facebook. I can't find it, but <laughs> there was a. But we posted um, about how I'm, I'm probably going to be going to this. Um, uh, football match, Millwall versus Luton. And where is that? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Barbara Benson has posted on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You are all gas and air. You won't go. And if you do, you'll bore everybody with the story for the next six months. Oh, Barbara Benson, how rude! My team are being very, very naughty. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stay off Twitter for the whole... I mean, I stay off... I'm going to. Ch- I'm going to check Twitter, but I'm not going to tweet... Good morning. It's 6.17. It's... Oh, it's Friday the 1st of February. Happy birthday to my sister. Oh, a bit of Nilsson. I won't let you leave. Hats off to Harry Nilsson. Didn't write the song. Doesn't matter. Don't have to write the song for it to be good. Wonderful. I don't think he wrote Everybody's Talking, did he? It was um, John Thingy Bob. What's his name? Can't think of his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter at all. Cracking song. More Nilsson in the mornings, please. Now, police have stepped up patrols in part of Luton following a shooting in the town on Wednesday. A woman in her mid-30s was injured in the hand during the incident in Russell Street. Our reporter, Ewan Duncan, has been speaking to Detective Inspector Ruth Dodsworth from the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire Major Crime Team. He explains what happened. On Wednesday the 30th of January at about 2pm at the junction of Russell Street and Wellington Street, shots were fired at a silver BMW. The female passenger in that car received a minor wound to her hand which was treated at hospital and she was discharged from hospital the same day. The two people responsible for this incident are described both as two black males They were both wearing mostly dark clothing. One was wearing sunglasses and one was wearing a hat which has flaps that covers his ears. This incident occurred in a relatively busy street and I'm appealing for anyone who was in the area or who witnessed the incident, that's at the junction of Russell Street and Wellington Street, who may have seen the two suspects prior to the incident or indeed fleeing the scene. We believe they fled in the direction of Stanley Street on foot 
um, to please contact the incident room on 01707 355 959 or indeed on Crime Stoppers Anonymously on 0800 555 111. Do you know at this stage at what point the shooting happened because there was some conversation between the two groups? We're keeping an open mind. There was an argument which preceded um, the shots being fired. And as I say, we are very anxious to speak with anyone who witnessed the incident or has any information about uh, the incident or indeed has seen our suspects. Was this a random attack? We keep an open mind. Um, Initial investigations lead me to believe that this is not a random attack. And in saying it's not random, what does that tell you at this stage? It's an early stage of the investigation and I am keeping an open mind. Our initial investigations suggest that it is not a random attack. What I will say is that, nevertheless, in order to provide some reassurance to the local community, police are increasing patrols in this area. Is it unusual for this area of Luton? Fortunately, um, gun crime in Luton is rare. There have been 12 recorded firearms offences since April last year, which is down by almost half on the previous year. However, the police are not complacent. We take any incident of gun crime incredibly seriously and we're working with our communities to reduce that fear of gun crime. Luton probably has more gun crime than the rest of Bedfordshire. Do you feel, compared to nationally, it's not too high? What I will say is that Bedfordshire Police, on average, have um, 45,000 crimes recorded annually. Um, There were 12 firearms offences recorded in Luton last year, so it is a small percentage. However, any gun crime is one crime too many. And you've touched on the men you want to trace at this stage. Have you a decent description of them, or is that why you're making the appeal? Uh, I'm appealing for any witnesses who saw the incident or saw the two suspects, two black males wearing mostly dark clothing one wearing sunglasses, one wearing a hat with flaps that cover their ears. Please contact police if you saw these two suspects. Do you feel there would have been a lot of people around at the time? It was a relatively busy street at the time, so I'm hoping that there will be witnesses who come forward who can provide some vital information to this inquiry. Ewan Duncan uh, reporting next. Should we have a quick look at the front pages before a little uh, snatch of Eddie Cochran? Yes, why not? The Times. MPs to quiz charity chief over huge tax scam. We mentioned this yesterday. The head of Britain's charity regulator will be hauled before MPs next month to explain how wealthy investors were able to use a charity scam to avoid £46 million in tax. High Court opens the way to Sharia divorces. Devout couples could settle under religious laws. And there's David Beckham. He's gone to France to play, but he's donating all his money to charity. Huh? What? What did you do that for? Oh, yeah, he's got loads of it already. Um, the Daily Telegraph. Oh, this is fascinating. Gina Lola Brigida is saying that her marriage was un- is unlawful. It's a fake wedding. She's like a famous actress from the old days, kids. Go and ask your gran. Uh, and dangers of toxic hip implants kept secret. A company sold toxic hip implants used in thousands of operations in Britain, knowing for at least three years they were potentially dangerous. Oh, dear. Litter bins attract too much rubbish, says council. Britain's rich- richest council is removing litter bins on the unlikely grounds they are attracting too much rubbish. Say what? That don't make no sense. Uh, the Independent. Uh, jackpot. Bookies avoid £1 billion tax. Big gambling firms are using tax havens. And Treasury still hasn't closed loophole. The Guardian. David Beckham's on the front page again. Um, Tories tell MPs lift poll ratings or face revolt. Cameron given until summer 2014 to avert backbench uh, confidence vote. And privatising search and rescue will cost lives. The Daily Mail. Donor dads win right to see their children. Sperm donors... If you were a sperm donor, why would you want to see your child? You just want the 15 quid. 
That's what you get. That's what you get. 15 quid a shot these days, I've been told. Sperm donors were handed the right to see and play a part in the lives of their biological children. Uh, Benefit Cheat gets a pay rise. It's madness. She beats jail and can now claim double, says the Daily Express. And the sum uh, has got this David Beckham story, and then there's a picture of um, uh, Kelly Brook in her pants. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Kids as young as five... Being diagnosed with depression? How do you feel about that? Do you think that maybe we should, instead of taking kids as young as five to the doctors, we should be teaching them some life skills that are perhaps a little bit more useful? Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. Coming up in the next half hour of the show, if you don't like cats, then you might have tried to deter them from coming into your garden. And I've seen people with water pistols, I've seen people chuck buckets of water over cats, all kinds of things. Well, a man in Bedford has put up spikes on his fence. His neighbours say it's cruel and they're really worried, but he hasn't done anything wrong. We'll hear from the neighbours next. I'm keen to get your views on this. And also, ooh, JVS yesterday was furious. Oh, furious. He can't believe the county council wants to pedestrianise some of the high streets, or part of the high streets, sorry, in Harpenden. We've sent reporter Justin Dilly there to find out what's going on. He'll be there in about 20 minutes if you want to go and speak to him. He's a tall, good-looking fella, often wears the double denim. I know, it's, it's, it's a fashion no-no, but he, he can carry it off. 08459 455 555. You bothered about your neighbour's cats? It's just a little bit poo. I mean, seriously, in the great scheme of things... Spike seems a little bit harsh, doesn't it? Or maybe you agree with this fella. Put, put him back in his cupboard under the stairs. But, I mean, really, I like... I have a begrudging respect for David Bowie and Changes and Dancing in the Street. Wonderful songs. I got trolled and bullied on the internet because I said, oh, David Bowie, not that good, All right? And... That was before I'd even heard this. Now I've heard it. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out fighting. That was. Listen, I know some of you may have liked it. That was awful. That was that was that was awful. That let me just say that's never getting played on this show ever again. And I know when you're in the radio, so I say, hey, that was a great track there. And the new one from David Bowie. It's, uh, you can get that on iTunes. Really great track there. Great to have him back. No, it wasn't. It was awful. I know you shouldn't knock the music on your own show. And normally we play excellent. The next song, Superstition, Stevie Wonder, fantastic record. Fantastic record. There is superstitious something in my eyes. I don't know what the words are. It's something like that. But that can, can anyone sing that David Bowie song they've just heard? I think not. I think not. The internet is a weird place. Now, cats. Love them or hate them? I love them. I'm a cat man. I'm a cat man. Uh, well, problem pets can really divide communities. People living in Seaton Drive in Bedford say they fear for the safety of their pets after a man puts spikes on his fence to deter cats. Now, the thing about cats is they're pretty clever. If they see spikes, I would be very surprised if a cat... Oh, spikes! I'm going to walk on them. Ah! My paw! I don't think they're going to do that. But some of these neighbours are worried that there might be. If you want to see what these spikes look like, go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. We've got a picture of the spikes there. Okay, so go and have a look at it while we're listening to this report, because I'm keen to get your opinion. Facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. The RSPCA say they can't do anything about it. 
and that he hasn't done anything wrong. Well, our cat lover correspondent, Tony Fisher, has been there to speak to the local residents. Pauline is a cat owner who lives in the street. Our cat went missing on Boxing Day. Um, I started putting leaflets out within space of an hour to two hours of her going missing. Um, I I gave him a leaflet. Um, He just turned around and told me that all cats are a nuisance. So I I walked away because I didn't want any confrontation. Um, I didn't know what to think because my mind was all over the place because of the fact that we had a missing cat. I was upset. I was distraught. And to to be perfectly honest, it just made me more determined that I wanted to find her. Um, And as I was going around the the, 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 you know, the, the street, I was getting so much support from everybody else in the neighbourhood, um, you know, and when, when I told them what this guy had said, you know, that the support was unbelievable. What about him now putting up the cat spikes above his gate? When did he do that and what do you think about that? He did that... I um, say cat spikes, but nails, yeah. basically. He did that a few days, about a week ago, something like that. Um, and again, um, any to, to me, any animal of any kind that is going to jump you know jump over a wall like they usually do um they don't stand an earthly chance but you're not just talking cats i mean we've got um squirrels you know in the tree and we know that that the squirrels come into our garden so any animal doesn't stand an earthly chance with nails he says he apparently stores food just in the side outside his front door certain food you're going to attract animals so, you know, he's, you know... Just what purely to antagonise. To, to purely antagonise. Apparently the RSPCA says there's nothing that can be done, though, about these they nails. Can't, they can't do anything um, until an animal actually dies, unfortunately, or is injured. You know, which is absolutely defenceless, and I, I, I just think it's outrageous. And I, I, I think the RSPCA should be able to do more. I think they should be able to come down on people. Well, Tony uh, Tony Fisher has been in touch with the owner of the house of the Spikes, but he wouldn't return our calls to talk about this specific issue. Well, Julia Bones runs a veterinary hospital in Bedfordshire. Morning, Julia. Morning. Cats are, cats are more sensible than this, though, aren't they? They, they? If a cat sees a spike, he's, he's not going to walk on it, is he? Um, not intentionally, no, but um, I think if the cat was used to jumping over... Yep the gate that he's put these nails in, then potentially the, the, the cat could suffer a nasty injury. What do you think about, about a neighbour doing this? Because if you don't like cats and they keep coming in your garden and, and doing poos everywhere, then you've got a right to protect it, haven't you? Um, unfortunately, cats aren't regulated or owned at all. There's no law about cats. So it's very, very difficult to, um, to say that we have a right to stop them getting in. You have a right um, to stop anyone going, or anything going into your garden if you can, don't well, you? exactly. You know, even trespass is a bit of a wishy-washy area. Um, but there are much better ways that you can do this. And, um, you know, I mean, I, it, it then sort of begs the question, what happens if a child start, injures themselves on one of these spikes? Where does the... Well, the, if, uh, if a child's climbing up on a wall that high, then, you know... Good luck to them, to be honest. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing it, little so-and-sos. What are the best ways to keep cats out of your gardens? I've heard... Now, I don't know how you'd get this, that if you put lion wee in your garden, does lion wee get rid of cats? Yes, and there's, um, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's several plants that are actually sold by many of the garden centres that are designed to help repel cats and rabbits as well from your garden. Oh, I hate rabbits. <laughs> rabbits are vicious little thugs, aren't they? Well, they're lovely.
lovely. No, they look but lovely, but they bite. <laughs> they, well, everything can bite. <laughs> Some humans, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm. And, uh, I mean, this chap obviously has a bit of a problem in that he will be attracting all sorts of animals. And to be honest with you, you know, now you've told me this story, I can't help thinking that the cats are doing him a favour because um, the rats will come for the food first. Ah. So, um, Do you ever have you ever had, seen an injured uh, pet where, where a neighbour's c- kind of gone a bit um, a, a bit defensive over their property? And I can't say that we often get to the bottom of the story. We are, we see a lot of injuries that are very suspicious. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a cat in at the hospital that had obviously been shot oh. at point blank range oh. through its back. Oh no! Someone had always stood over this cat. You know, and, and pointed the air gun right down. Oh the cat, no! The and very sadly, we had to put that cat to sleep because it had broken its back. Oh, that's horrific! And you know, that's you know, I like to think when we see some of these injuries, oh well, maybe there's an explanation how the cat could have injured itself. Yeah. But to me, that's I can't find any other explanation. Looking at um, when we X-rayed the cat, looking at where the pellet was. Well, that's made me sad, that has. If someone did that to my cat, I'd go bonkers. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, Julia, you'd agree, you're a sensible lady, cats are better than dogs, aren't they? Oh, no, I can't agree with that, as I'm sitting here with, surrounded by my three dogs. Oh, Julia. <laughs> we, we, you, st- you sounded so sensible at the start of this conversation, <laughs> and it turns out you're one of those dog freaks. <laughs> they ha- have different virtues. And uh, they're all great companions. See, dogs would walk on spikes. If there were some spikes, they'd go, oh, I'm going to go and sniff that. Oh, I've hurt my nose. I'm going to try walking on it. A cat wouldn't go anywhere near it, Julia. <laughs> I hope not for their sake no. in this close, but that's absolutely right. Uh, listen, I appreciate you uh, coming on. That's uh, uh, Julia Burness. Uh, she runs a veterinary hospital in Bedfordshire. What do you think? Bit harsh of this guy to put spikes up on his fence? Bit, bit naughty? Or are you kind of going, well, yeah, to be honest, we get cats coming in, eating our plants eating my bird food, doing a, doing a whoopsie in the garden. Doing a whoopsie, sorry. I made myself chuckle at that Frank Spencer reference. 08459 455 505. Listen, this is BBC Three Counties. This is the first for news. This is what we do here, guys. We do the big stories. You won't get this on the one show. For quite a good reason. But I'm interested to know what you think. 08459 455 555. Do you have a problem with animals getting into your garden? And also, where do you get lion wee from? Uh, now listen, regular listeners to this show will know I have no grandparents. They've all passed away. I'm a grandchild orphan. But uh, to make up for things, a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I was talking to a wonderful lady uh, on the show called Eileen and I kind of, I just thought we clicked and I asked her to be my adoptive grandmother. She said yes. And she's on the line now. Good morning, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, my grandson. How are you? Oh, that's so nice to hear. Isn't that <laughs> lovely? I'm wonderful. All the better for speaking for you to you, Nanny Eileen. <laughs> Have you? We spoke last week. Have you had a good week? I've had a very good week, thank you. Very interesting. What have you been up to? Been to any festivals? Um, no, but I, I did go to the Holocaust Memorial Service in the town hall on Sunday, which was very interesting to see such a mixed community all happily together and sitting talking together it was a very moving experience i bet that was a very powerful experience yes wasn't it was it? yes no. it was uh well listen we've got you on as we're going to get you on every week to listen to our bbc introducing track brilliant oh have you listened because you don't by, by the way you don't listen to bbc three counties do no, you i don't have you listened to any of my shows this week no oh, just said, even sorry. though i'm your grandson and <laughs> We kind of talked last week. You didn't think, oh, I'm, I'm curious to find out. No? 
No, because okay. I haven't got a, a radio. I, I I listen to the radio on the television, if you see what I mean. Right, right. Supposing, um, right, if I bought you a radio, would you listen to me? No. <laughs> Not at the time that you're on. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't listen uh, uh. to music and speech programmes, no. if you know what I no, mean. No, Well, we're only music in the first hour, that's from seven till nine. No, no music. No. No, you still don't want me to buy your radio? No, thank you. It's okay. very kind of you. Okay. Well, listen, the BBC Introducing is a show we have on Saturday nights. We get local bands and acts and singers and songwriters. Yeah. Uh, and they send in their music and we play it. Today, it's um, by a young gentleman called Binaric. Yes. But, uh, have you heard of Binaric? No, I haven't. Okay, he's from Leighton Buzzard. Brilliant. And his song is called I'll Be. Yes. And it's, he, he did it in his bedroom. Brilliant. Isn't that good? So we'll have a little listen and then afterwards you can tell me what you thought of it. Okay. Okay, so this is Binaric from Leighton Buzzard and his song, I'll Be. <clears throat> that cough was me, that wasn't part of the song. Okay, thank you. That's uh, Binaric from Leighton Buzzard, his track, I'll Be. Nanny Eileen was listening to that. Nanny Eileen, what did you make of Binaric? Um, I couldn't hear clearly what he was saying. Um, it was, the, mu- the music and the rhythm was overpowering his words, but from it, I felt a lot of emotion. What emotion did you feel, Nanny Eileen? Um, I felt... Nausea? Uh, no, 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 very thoughtful, very deep, very meaningful. But I would like to have heard the words more clearly. Well, at one point, well, I, well, some of the lyrics I picked out were, don't listen to negative criticism. Yes. I think he's probably going to get a lot of that. Yes. Because it's, so, it's such a unique sound, and often it when you make unique noises, people don't always get it straight away. No, but it was, the rhythm of it was beautiful. Um, but I would like to have been able to hear the words more clearly but i think also coming through the telephone yes you don't get the the full um amount of the sound you only hear part of the do sound. you remember dial a disc nanny eileen in the 70s you could dial a number it was bt and they would play a record to you down the phone no do you not remember that i do remember it yeah. isn't the service i ever took part in yes mm. well nanny eileen listen so marks out of 10 for d- binaric and be um, honest well, I w- would never want to discourage anyone. Um, Three? Th- oh, no, more than that. Four. At least five. Five. Nanny Eileen, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We will speak to you next Friday. You're a cracking sport, and I'm so glad to call you my adoptive uh, grandmother. Very proud. Thank you very much. An excellent stuff, Binary. Well done for sending that in. Good work. Now, have you been to Harpenden recently? Well, part of the high street may be pedestrianised if council plans go ahead. A stretch of the slip road near the station road junction will be closed off to cars. A petition has been launched by local businesses against the plans. They say the lack of parking could put off shoppers. Well, our car correspondent, Justin Dealey, is in Harpenden this morning. Justin, what's happening? Ian, that is me. Don't you just love Harpenden High Street? I do love it. an unusual high street and one of the most successful high streets, not just in beds, hearts and bucks, but but the whole of the UK. So some people here very unhappy about this because the area we're talking about is uh, a small section of the service road stretch between Station Road and Vaughan Road. And some people may say, well, what's the problem? If you're going to be closing that off to, to, to make people safe... 
to give pedestrians more access themselves. What's the problem? But some would say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you look along the high street, it's very, very successful. And those businesses, a lot of their customers, they park outside. If this goes ahead, that won't be happening. Lots of local people angry already. Here's the views of Simon, who I spoke to a moment ago. Well, Simon, let's be brutally honest about this. You think this idea is, is absolute madness. Tell us why. There's no need for it. The small road they're talking about pedestrianising has a few vehicles coming in, mainly disabled or deliveries, but if you stop the vehicles coming down there, then it's going to cause trouble up Station Road. Is this going to kill the high street here? I don't know if it will kill the high street, but it's not going to help. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Quite right. And other people that you have been talking to, again, all agree with you. that They just can't see the point here. It's a lot of money. In today's society, when the county councils and the borough councils are cutting back because of taxes, etc., why spend £35,000 on something which doesn't need doing? So the brief views there are Simon. More views to come after 7.30, Ian. You're also going to be talking to a local business as well. They are very, very concerned because for years, everything has been perfect for them. They are worried they could lose money, so they'll be telling you more after 7.30. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. If pe- people are concerned, it's going to... Uh, uh, how much is it costing, Justin? £35,000? £35,000, yes. Oh, OK, interesting. I mean, it is a trial. It is a trial, but £35,000 is still, as Simon says, £35,000... Well, it's it is, not, isn't it? It's, n- it's not as if the yeah, it is. You can't <laughs> deny that. £35,000 <laughs> is most definitely £35,000. But that money could be spent elsewhere, yep. and there hasn't been any major problems, according to Simon and others that I've spoken to, yep. to suggest why this would happen. Hertfordshire County Council, what they're saying is there have been problems there at that junction with Station Road, and they're going to try and make things safer. But what impact will that have on local business? Only time will tell. Justin Daly, quick t- I'm going to throw this at you, because I know you can handle things yeah, thrown at you. Like, like, almost like we were having a conversation or something yes. you've got a lovely garden you've got your roses and yeah. your other flowers that are in there uh and the, that darn cat from next door keeps coming over your fence doing mm. a whoopsie <laughs> eating all your bird food digging it up mm. would you put spikes on your fence to deter unwanted feline guests no i wouldn't do that i would wee in the garden because apparently that works forget about lions wee human wee works apparently try it in try it Thanks very much. That's Justin Dealey. It's always quite, sometimes I, I wish I didn't ask him questions, <laughs> because that really has put a rather unpleasant image in my mind. Does human wee work? How have you stopped cats getting into your garden? Human wee? Does that work? You can't go down the end of your garden and do it there, can you? Really? It does strike me as odd that, that, that you could be that bothered by... Also, cat um, whoopsies, they're not that big. It's not like a horse or something, you know. If a horse was doing it, I'd kind of understand. But it's only... They're tiny, delicate little things. It's not really any bother at all. 08459 455 555. Coming up in the next hour, more about kids as young as five being treated for depression. Is that taking things a little bit too far? listener ian lee bbc three counties radio you're certainly having your say on facebook about the gentleman that's put spikes up on his fence to stop cats getting in loads of you are saying it's illegal in fact nearly all of you are saying it's illegal i don't know if it is if you want to see the picture facebook.com forward slash bbc 3c i've got a great picture of these spikes this fella's put up to uh stop cats getting in is it illegal? Can we get we, we need we need a legal mind to look at that picture and tell if it's if it's illegal or not. The neighbours are worried that their cats will be injured. Well, what do you think? 
Also, in the next hour, an investigation by this show has found that more than 300 children in the three counties have been diagnosed with serious depression. We'll hear from a Milton Keynes mum about the effect it had on her daughter from the age of five. And it's the final of the ITV show Splash this weekend. It's being filmed in Luton. Who's going to win? I love it. I know, it's been really popular to knock it. First week we knocked it. We jumped on the knocking it bandwagon. I know. We're suckers, aren't we? Well, I've been to Hilborough Infant School in Luton to find out what the kids there make of it. Have they been enjoying it as much as we have? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send us a text. 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on, otherwise I will not read it. Or give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio has discovered that over 300 children in beds, hearts and bucks, aged between 5 and 10, have been diagnosed with serious depression. And apparently that number is rising. Young Minds, the national charity for young people with mental health problems, say they've seen an 18% increase in calls to their help centre, with many calls, uh, many people calling to discuss feeling depressed. Isabella is 10 and has suffered from depression since she was only five years old. She told our reporter, Sophie Solaria, how life has been for her. It felt like a person inside me just couldn't come out, and then I felt invisible... I always used to be alone because no one would want to talk to me or anything because I was, like, weird and stuff. I just used to run up to my bedroom and cry for a little bit and then at dinner I would wait upstairs for a little bit for the for the crying to stop and then... I used to go to bed quite late because I kept on crying after dinner as well. I just felt, like, shy, unconfident, didn't want to go to school and some other stuff. It's quite young to feel so sad at ten years old, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like half of your life has um, gone... When you lose your confidence you don't want to be around anything or do anything anymore and you just feel tired all the time because because you stay up quite late and stuff thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow do some of your other friends ever get sad or depressed one of my friends do but then i then we start talking and seeing if we can sort it all out but I tell them, don't worry, we can get through it. Well, isn't that sad? That's uh, Isabella, who's 10 and is obviously uh, going through a very tough time. <coughs> Excuse me, with us now is Dr Lisa Honeyman, a chartered clinical psychologist specialising in treatment of children and families. Morning, Doctor. Morning. Uh, that was very sad, what, what we heard there. Is that mm. actually depression, though? I would I would say that um, it sounds like a mixture of low mood and anxiety. Um, the, the two things are often come together. Um, with this age group, I tend to not talk in terms of depression and anxiety, but rather about emotional and behavioural distress. Is there um, a, what, what's the difference between the two? I think it's about severity, but also um, I think when low mood and emotional distress hasn't been recognised and treated 
for a long time, then it becomes what I would consider to be clinical depression or anxiety. With early intervention, you, the idea is that you get in quickly, you, you identify the underlying cause. In this case, the child felt she was being bullied in school. You put in appropriate support and the depression or the anxiety is alleviated. Do you think that, uh, 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 that some doctors or, or experts, in inverted commas, are a little bit free and easy with the term depression, particularly when it comes to, to people under 10? In my experience, um, I think most mental health professionals would be working to alleviate the symptoms and be less concerned about a diagnostic label. So I think what, what's happened is that people, because of greater public awareness, people recognise that children may be presenting with um, anxiety, anxiety and depression. But, but I think that the, the aim is to address it and um, we, I would never talk about depression and anxiety to a child of that age. Mm. I would be talking with them in terms of worries or uh, low mood. And that's my experience. Um, It's part of the problem, the fact that, uh, listen, I'm a dad, and uh, one of my little boys isn't very well. I want a label. I want want a name of what's wrong with him. Is that the thing that parents, they want want a title. They want it summed up in a a handy little word. Yeah, and, and for things like depression and anxiety, there are a set of criteria that need to be satisfied in order to get a diagnosis as such. That said, um... And it can be very helpful because, you know, in the past, children children who would be acting out with depression would would have been labelled as naughty or attention-seeking. And now we kind of recognise that actually these are children who are suffering and if we work out what is happening to them, we can put in appropriate support, alleviate the symptoms and get them back on track. What, what do we know about ki- uh, kids under 10 being prescribed medication? Does that happen I, for their depression? Very, very, very rarely. Right. Very rarely. I mean, I think that would be the last line of... Uh, uh, if a child were in an inpatient unit having attempted suicide, I think that medication yeah. might be warranted. Does that happen but, to kids under 10? Uh, rarely. Right. I don't see it in my practice. Yeah. I do not see children under the age of 10 who are medicated at all. I've Doctor, never been... There will yeah. be some people listening who will go, oh, for goodness sakes... Come on, we've all just we, we grow up. We, you know, we're all we're all a little bit too in touch with our feelings, and we need to do what we did thirty, forty years ago and just get on with things. Yeah, and it's worth noting that all children will experience brief periods of low mood and anxiety. That is absolutely a normal part of development to feel sad about things that have happened, to feel anxious about things that have happened. But actually, when it's starting to get in the way of normal life, or it's around for a long time then it's useful to have an assessment and some treatment. Okay, we've got... So kids with depression, yeah. it's so closely linked to their social environment and things that are going on at home or in school that we would always... Into, well, as a clinical psychologist, I would not be looking to treat depression in its own right. I would be looking to work out what is happening at home and school and change the social environment mm. for for the better of the child. What should parents be looking out for? Early indicators that perhaps th- their child is starting to feel anxious or, 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 or low? Um, well, for a start, children with depression are much more likely to act out. So you, you will get children who are physically, verbally aggressive. They may seem distractible, hyperactive. Some children may... That's just kids, though, unhappy. isn't it? Kids are just hyperactive most of the, a, a lot of the time, aren't they? We're talking above and beyond. Right. So you're talking about children who are... They're not sleeping. 
Right. They're not eating. Possibly some children will actually eat too much and sleep too much. Some children will withdraw from contact and just look unhappy. Um, physical complaints of stomach aches, headaches, tiredness, but they're common with both depression and anxiety. And I think mostly it's strong, very strong feelings of being worthless, feeling hopeless about the future and feeling suicidal. And that's one that can't be ignored. Mm. If a child is saying that they or if they're self-harming, it's definitely worth doing something about it. With some of those early signs, let's take a be- step back a bit from the suicide and the self-harming. Uh, with with, with yeah. those early signs of, of maybe not sleeping and not eating or, 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 or the opposite of that, what should a parent do if they, if they do see that and do s- suspect there's a problem? I think first keep an eye and and try and talk to the child about what's going on. I think that if it's there for two fairly constantly for over two weeks, then I would be wanting to have a chat with the GP and get some advice. Uh, GP will be able to refer to a mental health service if it's warranted. Uh, talk to teachers, talk to the child's friends. Um, just have a think about what is going on in their lives at the moment, because obviously children are in families, so if something is affecting the family, the likelihood is the child will be feeling stressed. So just m- m- trying to make those links. And just ring- there are lots of people who are willing to, to help support the child, just make that call and get some advice. Dr Lisa Honeyman, uh, Chartered Clinical Psychologist, thank you very much indeed, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got some texts on uh, keeping cats out of your garden. And uh, Annie in Hearts says, the rubber spike strips are made for cats so as not to hurt them, just keep them out of your garden. Well, uh, go to the Facebook page. He's not got rubber strips. He's got huge, I don't know, nails. They look massive, look three inches. Jill says, get your own cat or dog. That will stop the other cats coming in your garden. No, it it doesn't. Not at all. I've got cats. We get loads of cats coming. We get some cats coming through our blooming cat flap. I came downstairs the other day. There was a cat eating Velvet's breakfast. There was a, a strange cat in my house. Go, Stephen, Stephen uh, Drayton Parsler, go and get a rescue greyhound. There are no more cats in the garden. No, 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 no. Listen, that's not going to help in the slightest. Lots of you saying on the Facebook page you can buy a cat alarm from B&Q. It makes a high-pitched sound that humans can't hear to deter cats from coming into your garden. Uh, Michael and Gary both saying that what this guy has done is illegal. Uh, and Joni's saying the same thing as well. You're only allowed to put up spiky bushes. We need to get a legal expert to look at this picture. We need a legal expert this morning to look at this picture and tell us if this gentleman is is breaking the law. If you want to have a look and uh, have your say, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Police have stepped up patrols in part of Luton following a shooting in the town on Wednesday. A woman in her mid-30s was injured in the hand during the incident in Russell Street. Our reporter, Ewan Duncan, has been speaking to Detective Inspector Ruth Dodsworth from the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire Major Crime Team. She explains what happened. On Wednesday the 30th of January, at about 2pm at the junction of Russell Street and Wellington Street, shots were fired at a silver BMW. The female passenger in that car received a minor wound to her hand which was treated at hospital and she was discharged from hospital the same day. The two people responsible for this incident are described both as two black males 
They were both wearing mostly dark clothing. One was wearing sunglasses and one was wearing a hat which has flaps that covers his ears. This incident occurred in a relatively busy street and I'm appealing for anyone who was in the area or who witnessed the incident, that's at the junction of Russell Street and Wellington Street, who may have seen the two suspects prior to the incident or indeed fleeing the scene. We believe they fled in the direction of Stanley Street on foot. Um, to please contact the incident room on 01707 355 959 or indeed on Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111. Do you know at this stage at what point the shooting happened because there was some conversation between the two groups? We're keeping an open mind. There was an argument which preceded um, the shots being fired. And as I say, we are very anxious to speak with anyone who witnessed the incident or has any information about uh, the incident or indeed has seen our suspects. Was this a random attack? We keep an open mind. Um, Initial investigations lead me to believe that this is not a random attack. And in saying it's not random, what does that tell you at this stage... It's an early stage of the investigation and I am keeping an open mind. Our initial investigations suggest that it is not a random attack. What I will say is that, nevertheless, in order to provide some reassurance to the local community, police are increasing patrols in this area. Is it unusual for this area of Luton? Fortunately, um, gun crime in Luton is rare. There have been 12 recorded firearms offences since April last year, which is down by almost half on the previous year. However, the police are not complacent. We take any incident of gun crime incredibly seriously and we're working with our communities to reduce that fear of gun crime. Luton probably has more gun crime than the rest of Bedfordshire. Do you feel, compared to nationally, it's not too high? What I will say is that Bedfordshire police, on average, have um, 45,000 crimes recorded annually. Um, There were 12 firearms offences recorded in Luton last year, so it is a small percentage. However, any gun crime is one crime too many. And you've touched on the men you want to trace at this stage. Have you a decent description of them, or is that why you're making the appeal? Uh, I'm appealing for any witnesses who saw the incident or saw the two suspects, two black males wearing mostly dark clothing one wearing sunglasses, one wearing a hat with flaps that cover their ears. Please contact police if you saw these two suspects. Do you feel there would have been a lot of people around at the time? It was a relatively busy street at the time, so I'm hoping that there will be witnesses who come forward who can provide some vital information to this inquiry. Ian Duncan there speaking to Detective Inspector Ruth Dodsworth. Uh, There's a story in uh, page 21 of The Sun. Sally Burko. I really have very little time. I know I have very little time for her, and I'm falling slightly into her publicity machine. But she's friends with um, the Paddy Doherty from the, uh, the Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. And, and they've just gone to get a tattoo done, right? She's 43 years old. She tweeted after, Met best mate Paddy in Chester Tattoo Parlour today. My first tat taken me till 43 years to decide. Looking amaze. Colon, close bracket. Which, um, oh, it's a smiley face if you put it on the side. And then she then he goes on to say, yeah, Sally, uh, a source said yesterday, Sally wanted a small tribute to her kids on her wrist. What? Why on earth would you want a tribute to your children on your body? Have a get some have a picture in your wallet, love. You know, get get some people have a little lock of the, the first lock of hair that gets cut off. They have it in a little box. Do that. It's weird, but do that. Have a locket around your neck with a picture of you and your children. Don't get a tattoo done. I think tattoos, I've said this before, I think they're disgusting. They're so horrible. They look awful. They're tacky. They're nasty. Oh, I've got my kids' names written in Chinese. Oh, I've got a Celtic logo on my bum. 
I just think it's a horrible thing to do. Sally Burko is, really is, just such an attention... And I'm falling into the machine. I realise I'm playing her game here. This attention-seeking media nonsense. She wants to be a celebrity. Don't get a tattoo done on your wrist. It looks cheap. It looks nasty. It looks tacky. Spend the money that you spent on that too, uh, tattoo buying something nice for your kids. Yeah, Make that the tribute to your kids. For goodness sake, getting a tattoo done? Ridiculous. By the way, we have, I believe we have tracked down a legal bod who's going to advise us whether this chap with the cat spikes, the cat spikes, is, uh, is breaking the law or not. So s- stay listening. BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we can get more news uh, that the uh, more on the news that the IPCC, the organisation that investigates complaints against police, is failing to get to the truth of allegations because it's woefully under-equipped. The chairman of the Home Affairs Select Committee, Keith Vaz, says many people don't trust the, uh, that the IPCC is truly independent. When people make complaints about negligence, misconduct or corruption, they need to know that the complaints are being dealt with properly and adequately. They need to have faith in the system. At the moment, there is no faith in the system that we have that governs the work of the IPCC. And frankly, there are too many police officers working for the IPCC. Well, our reporter Gavin Lee is with us. Morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. Uh, What exactly does the IPCC do? Oh, a range of things. I mean, basically, to first of all, if you know, and how many times do you hear on um, Radio Three Counties that you know there's a IPCC investigation, whether it's a, a death in police custody or a police shooting, um, it, it could be allegations of serious misconduct against the police, or it could be much less serious cases. You know, people who feel that they've got a complaint against a particular local station, they can appeal to the IPCC and then they investigate. So it's a big, broad brush that they've got to look at, uh, and this is ultimately get into the heart of what's gone wrong. It's found this Home Affairs Select Committee report compelling evidence, I quote, of problems in the IPCC boiling down to the fact it's so hugely under-equipped. And I'll give you an example. In the last three years to 2011, there were over 8,500 allegations of corruption against police or police forces. Of those... 837, 10% were referred to the Commission. Of those, the IPCC only got round to investigating 21 of those cases of an original 8,500. That's so, incredible. Yeah, it says uh, the amount of, um, basically, caseloads the IPCC has and also the amount of staff that it's manning is not you know, adequate. And there's, it singles out the recent Plebgate affair, the Andrew Mitchell affair, saying it should have been investigated by the uh, IPCC. It, it's not. It's been investigated by the, the Met Police's professional standards department in, instead and the sort of secondary concern as well is what Keith has mentioned there it's too much of a home to quote the, the, the term it uses for former police officers it's a bit of an old boys club uh, 30% of the IPCC are former officers therefore you know it's credibility and trust is at stake the IPCC has a, a, a big role in holding the police to account on so many issues it, yeah. what's the problem with it exactly what's going on I, I think there is a, a sense that some of the some cases that have been made extremely public and high profile and um, put the IPCC to test and it's been found wanting. I mentioned um, Hillsborough, I mentioned um, phone hacking, Hillsborough particularly, that it's gone full circle. It was investigated decades ago. You know, the police were cleared of wrongdoing. We now know they wrongly implicated Liverpool fans to, for causing the, the disaster and now it's gone back full circle. The IPCC will look at it again. Um, so that's one of the, the problems. I think the other thing is funding. It gets a budget of about £30 million 
a, um, a year. It's falling by about 21% in real terms because of the whole comprehensive spending review that all departments get. And the Home Affairs Select Committee is saying... If it's going to work, if it has a future, if it's going to be trusted at all, it needs a lot more money to be ring-fenced to make it work. This is going to raise a lot of questions from people, isn't it, about whether to have faith in the IPCC, knowing its ability is under question? Uh, Massively, I think. you know, And this is the part of the report as to why it's... um, The timing of it is, is key, I think, as well, that the... Budget is continuing to be cut. The police numbers are, and the the officer numbers within the IPCC are continuing to diminish. Its caseloads are increasing, uh, and this is a way of saying. one way of doing it is to decrease the amount of police. Another point is, and, and I find this a little bit unrealistic in the, in the report, is that they su- it suggests there should be a team on standby to look at every case coming in, particularly cases, you know, serious cases, you know, where there are police shootings or deaths in, in custody. Uh, however, there are, you know, when you've got budgetary problems like this, you're going to be talking about a, a massive increase and an effect on other areas. But um, you know, we shall see the, for the, wait for the government response on this today. Gavin, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's the thing. I spotted this yesterday and it's uh, the, the Express have followed it up. There's a fella found a big lump of like yellow and black stuff on the beach, right? And he thought it was like some strange mineral. He took it home, had it analysed. It's a thing called ambergris, right? Ambergris. And this lump, it's about the size of... It looks like it's the size of a turtle, shall we say. It's worth £100,000. And what it is, it's ambergris, uh, and it gets used, and it gets put into perfume, and it's really rare. It's whale vomit. That's what it is. It's whale vomit. That's in your perfume. That's why perfume is so expensive. It's got whale vomit in it. Uh, And they all... The the Express have have done this fantastic thing. What's in your... um, what's in your cosmetic brands and they go through it chicken fat fish scales crushed beetles we know about crushed beetles that's um cochinella isn't it is that cochinella cochinella something like that. that's the, the red dye that they use in lipstick but whale vomit in your in your perfume how did at what point did someone go hey hang on a second what this is really lacking this Chanel number no. five, or this Dior, or this this pro- well, this is lacking. We need some whale vomit in this. It's like the first person that found out you can milk cows. What on earth were they doing? Really? Hey, milk comes out. We can drink this stuff. What are you doing? It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Whale vomit. Man, I need to get me some of that stuff. On FM, AM, and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got, we've got a lot coming up in the next 30 minutes. Coming up, if you don't like cats, then you may, may have tried to deter them from coming into your garden. A man in Bedford has put up spikes on his fence. The picture, if you want to see it, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. The neighbours are worried and say it's cruel. Many of you have been saying, oh, it's illegal. Well, is it illegal? I don't know. I, I was kind of led to believe it wasn't. We're going to get the answer in about 15 minutes' time. And have you been watching the celebrity diving show Splash? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And anyone that says it isn't doesn't know what Saturday Night Entertainment should be. It's being filmed in Luton. And uh, this week, I went to the Hilborough Infant School to find out what the young people there make of it. And what a lovely bunch they were. They made me feel very, very welcome, and they gave me some very honest opinions. You can find out what they were in a few minutes' time. 
Now, have you been to Harpenden recently? Well, part of the high street may be pedestrianised if council plans go ahead. A stretch of the slip road near the station road junction will be closed off to cars. Petition has been launched by local businesses against the plans. They say the lack of parking will put off shoppers. Jonathan Vernon-Smith was furious on Twitter yesterday, even going as far as to call the council members Muppets. I'm not sure if he's allowed to do that, from, uh, but we'll see. He'll be down in, well, I don't know, 50 minutes' time. We'll get his opinion on it. Well, we sent our reporter, Justin Dealey, to spend the morning in Harpenden. Justin, what's it like there? What's going on? It's, it's a lovely high street. And I wonderful. think we all know that much. It's um, certainly very different. Certainly one of the most successful high streets anywhere in Beds, Hearts and Bucks and anywhere in the UK. And we're talking here, Ian, about a very small section of this service road stretch, which is between Station Road and Vaughan Road. We were tipped off yesterday lots of people weren't happy about this well i've been talking to people this morning on the high street in harpenden and this is what they've had to say simon you think this is a terrible idea in layman's terms why is it such a bad idea why spend the money when when you don't need to it it works currently there's no problems down there there's no reason for doing it when you worry that this will put people off coming into harpenden I don't know if it'll put people off, but it's, it won't help. So where would you spend that money instead, then? I don't know. Um, well, there's plenty of sort of enhancements they could do, that, you know, new litre bins or um, spruce up the high street, but definitely not on a pedestrianisation. And do you know anybody who thinks this is a fantastic idea? Um, no. <laughs> not at <laughs> Am all. Am I going to find one today? Um, good luck. Well, Sarah, in actual fact, you think this is a load of fuss about nothing. You think it's quite a good idea, don't you? Yeah, I do, yeah. Then tell us why. You get... Idiots driving up there pretty fast. Why, why should I like, have to walk in the middle of the road when there's vehicles parked there as well anyway? So on the whole, people should stop moaning? Oh yeah, basically. Let them get on with the job. Let them pedestrianise. That's it. Best thing that could ever happen for it. Well, Tom, you again think this is a ridiculous idea. Do you think this will affect local businesses? Are you worried for them? Yeah, definitely. If customers can't park outside shops and stuff like that, I don't think a lot of customers are going to want to come to Harpenden, you know, especially if you live outside. And if yeah. you were running one of those businesses, you'd be very concerned right now? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll definitely be raising a point about, obviously, this issue and the effects it's going to have as well. And, David, what's your views on this subject as well? I think it makes a lot of sense sometimes because there's probably been accidents. Motorists are not the best with people, especially cyclists, etc. Although pedestrians are more important in that little area and cars, I think, should be kept out of the way and it's a free access for children in particular to look in and out of the shops. Then again, it is a very successful high street. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Correct, that's true, but you've got to change sometimes. Now, Lynn, you think this is a fantastic idea. In your words, the best thing that could ever happen to Harpenden High Street. Yeah. Tell us why. Well, the way they park and drive, it's, it's a nuisance for pedestrians, you know. Well, there's certainly a mixed reaction there, uh, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, but both sides, you can you can see it from the business's point of view. They're saying, look, we have deliveries, people are parking outside, we have customers that are parking outside. Times are very, very tough. What we don't want to do is put off our customers. But also, on the flip side of that coin, people saying there, well, some people that drive through that stretch, they drive like lunatics, and this would certainly make Harpenden a safer place. So, uh, certainly we've heard both sides this morning. In. They say people driving... Uh, like lunatics was did they see you 
driving? Is that the, <laughs> is that the reference? <laughs> no, they didn't see me driving. As you know, I'm a wonderful driver, well, unlike I, you. I got to spend um, some time in a car with you a couple of days ago. Yes, yes. You, you, you kept saying, it's only two minutes away, it's only two <laughs> minutes away. Fifteen <laughs> minutes later, we pulled up. Well, as you know, the BBC has had a problem with their sat-navs in the past, but uh, we got there in the end, didn't Give we? you a problem with your sat-nav. Justin Daly, thank you very much indeed. Well, Glenn Moxley joins us now. He's the owner of the tobacconist and sweet shop Thorns in Harpenden. His shop is right by the proposed area of pedestrianisation. Uh, morning, Glenn. Good morning. How will Hi. this affect your business? Um, oh, well, greatly, I think. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, as you say, it's a tobacconist and sweet shop, so people just want to pop into shops like, like ours, you know, in the florist and threads, you know, they haven't, um, you know, the half an hour stay time outside the shop is fine, you know, so why, why change it to pedestrianise it? Um, I've never heard, I've never, for 12 years I've been there, I've, uh, there's no idiots that drive up and down there. Well, we had lots of people know, in that, that... I don't know where they get that idea well, from. Well, well, Glenn, we had lots of people there speaking to Justin, saying they've, they've seen loads of people driving terribly. No, well, like, it's a kind of, it's, say, a cobbled road, so it's not really, um, it's not even tarmac, so it's not, there's no reason to, and, uh, plus there's a police station around the corner, so... Well, don't stop anyone these days. There, there's, no, there's been no road accidents. What have you um, and the other shopkeepers done to fight this? Sorry. What have you and the other shopkeepers done to fight this? Um, well, uh, yeah, we've just we've just raised um, awareness. Everyone coming in the shop, we've just um, we've mm-hmm. uh, got a petition signed. How, um, how many signatures have you got on the petition, Glenn? <clears throat> um, uh, myself, I've done around a hundred, I think. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it, a, hun- a hundred doesn't sound a lot, Glenn. It, it doesn't. No, it doesn't sound like people are, are necessarily that bothered. Is this just the shopkeepers um, getting upset when everyone else is thinking actually this could be quite a good idea? No, I don't think so. No, I mean, ninety-nine percent of the people that come into the shop say it's not. Uh, you know, say straight away. You know, I, I don't influence them at all. You know. Um, especially disabled people, they're livid. You know, I get a lot of disabled people in my yeah. shop, and um, the ac- and and the access that they've got at the moment is is fine. You know, right outside the shop, yeah. and to get out of these disabled vehicles, and it's just really not fair. And Glenn, can you it, see? So. Can, obviously, you're against it, but can you see any benefits of having the area outside your shop pedestrianised? Um. Um, Any? No, not not no. for me. No, no, but for big big um, companies like Costa Coffee, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Mm. You know, so, um, for them to put their tables and chairs outside. Do you think this you is know, being done to benefit the bigger companies and uh, ignore it, the sort of smaller independents? I, 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 I think really, yeah. And like you know, Slug and Lettuce could like extend their tables and chairs, so it wouldn't be pedestrianised. It'd be um, it would just be. Costa Coffee getting their way, I reckon, if you ask me. Glenn, thank you very much indeed. Glenn Moxley owns uh, Thorns in Harperdon and he's not particularly happy about it. If you know the area well or you use it, what do you think? 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I've done stand-up comedy. I don't really do it any, anymore because I wasn't very good at it. But when you do it and whenever you tell people, oh, yeah, I'm a stand-up, Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got a mate who's really funny. Yeah, my, uh, Steve, Steve, you should meet Steve. Steve is so funny. No, honestly, Steve should, Steve should do stand-up. And then when Steve does stand-up, it's awful. Because it's really, really hard. 
But some, some people can do it. And some people are brilliant the first few times they do it. Would you ever have a go? Well, if you've ever considered it, now is your chance. For Comic Relief, the BBC is giving listeners the opportunity to have a go at doing some stand-up comedy. Each of the 12 BBC regions will be holding a special stand-up-if-you-dare night of comedy where some of those who volunteer will get the chance to perform in front of a packed house. Let me tell you, when it goes badly, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. When it goes well, oh, it's wonderful! Well, here to tell us more is BBC's Sean Peel. Morning, Sean. Yeah, morning to you. Tell us more about this. Well, as you've just said, it can be the most frightening experience in the world. If you say to some people, you know, would you rather jump out of a plane with a parachute, obviously, or do stand-up comedy? Sean? Sean? Yeah. Oh, you're there. We lost you for a second. Oh, we, I'm we got still, I'm you. still we, here. No, we're good. We've got you there. So we, if you give people the option of jumping out of a plane or doing stand-up... They would take the plane option. Yeah. <laughs> With a parachute, obviously. Most people would see stand-up comedy as being really frightening, which is why it's a real challenge. And Comic Relief is, is launching a search to find new stand-up talent. Stand-up, if you dare. If you know Steve, if you are Steve, if you know the bloke in the office that's really, really funny and you've always thought he should give stand-up a go, she should give stand-up a go, now is the time to do it. Because we're going to help you. You will not be alone. You're going to get advice pros on dealing with hecklers, on dealing with nerves, on honing your act, on microphone technique, all of that kind of thing. You'll go to a boot camp Ooh. and you may get the opportunity to perform live in front of about 300 people. How frightening is that? Stand hey, up if you dare. 300 people, that's, that's, a, that's a good crowd. I can never draw that, even in my heyday. So you're going to get, there's going to be someone who, teaching you and kind of showing you a few of the basic techniques so you don't come across as a complete plum. Absolutely, absolutely. But we are looking for beginners here because it's a challenge. Yep. So, you know, if, like Ian Lee, you've been on the circuit a little bit, you've yes. done it a bit before, Big we're not looking for those kind of people and we're not looking for oh. people uh, that, that did it years and years ago and are looking for that last hurrah. We're looking for complete beginners. If you've maybe done it once or twice, that's okay. But it's a challenge. It, it, we, we want you to scare the pants off yourself, basically, and raise money in the process because you're going to dare yourself to do this yeah. and then get your mates to sponsor you you and we're also going to raise money on the night by selling tickets and, and that kind of thing so it's a fundraiser for comic relief stand up if you dare if you always thought you were funny well now is the time to find out sean if people want to get in touch and take part in this this uh, suicide mission but what would you how do they get in touch how do they contact us it, it, website 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 uh, bbc.co.uk forward slash red nose day bbc.co.uk forward slash red nose day and on that page uh, there'll be a thing that says stand up if you dare now if if you if your fingers aren't a bit too nervous click on that uh, and it'll give you all the terms and conditions and how to apply and then we'll be in touch sean excellent stuff thank you very much indeed sean, Pe sean peel there uh, the, the the biggest the most high profile thing i ever did for, for uh, comic relief was i think two or three years ago uh, and I did that let's start, or maybe it was for sports relief actually, they're, they're kind of similar. I did that dancing thing, you know that dancing show where you go on and dance, uh, and I was Will Smith getting jiggy with it. It was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever, I tell you what was so embarrassing, the first dress rehearsal on the stage, right, the stage is about four foot up in, the, four foot high, I fell off the stage. No I did, and I've got t two chipped teeth as a result of it, and I was a bit concussed. I just suddenly remember lying upside down with a light on me going, I don't remember this being part of the routine. It's on YouTube. If you type in Ian Lee, let's dance. Uh, it's me being Will Smith. Um, they wouldn't let me black up. Uh, and dancing, getting jiggy with it. It was... 
I almost pull it off. I almost pull it off, but I don't quite. I was, I was half a beat behind from the very beginning, and I couldn't catch up. It's very, very embarrassing. A lot of fun, but very embarrassing. But, uh, yeah, if you want to do a bit of stand-up for comic relief, then you should uh, have a go. Figures obtained by the BBC suggest the number of hours ambulances are queuing to hand over patients at Milton Keynes General have tripled in the last year. I've got a sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. How rude. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I made myself chuckle. How, how, it was just a sneeze. How rude. Luckily it wasn't, you know. Anyway, onwards and upwards. Cats, they're the best pet you can get in the world. I think I'm going to be forced into buying either a guinea pig or a kitten when we move. I know my little boy's banging on about kittens. Oh, kitten would look nice, Daddy. I'm trying to nudge him towards a guinea pig. But there, is, uh, there are people who hate cats, and they can divide communities. People living in Seaton Drive in Bedford say they fear for the safety of their pets after a man put spikes on his fence to deter cats. None of them have been injured, and the RSPCA say they can't do anything about it. And apparently he hasn't done anything wrong. Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, has been speaking to local residents. Pauline is a cat owner who lives in the street. He did that a few days, about a week ago, something like that. Um, and again... Um, any, t- to me, any animal of any kind that is going to jump, you know, jump over a wall like they usually do, um, they don't stand an earthly chance. But you're not just talking cats. I mean, we've got um, squirrels, you know, in the tree, and we know that, that the squirrels come into our garden. So any animal doesn't stand an earthly chance with nails. He says he apparently stores food just inside, outside his front door. Certain food. Also, You're going you? to attract animals. So, you know, he's, you know... Just what purely to antagonise. To, to purely antagonise. Apparently the RSPCA says there's nothing that can be done, though, about these they nails. Can't, they can't do anything um, until an animal actually dies, unfortunately, or is injured. Well, in a second, we're going to speak to uh, Nick Freeman, uh, who is uh, a lawyer, and he's going to tell us whether this gentleman is breaking the law or not. But before that, let's speak to Martin in Luton. Morning, Martin. Good morning. What, what's your take on this? Is, is, have you got a history with um, scaring cats off? Um, yes. Um, my mother, she's a pensioner. She's got two cats herself, and her neighbour doesn't like cats. Yeah. So along his fence, he put a row of carpet gripper. Oh, yes, I know. They've got little spikes sticking out. That's right. It's, it's lethal stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, one of my mum's cats jumped onto it and damaged its paw. So we had to take it to the vet, said it cost £30. Yes. So we complained to the police about it, and the police said, sorry, no, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, So I thought, okay. so I then got on to the RSPCA, and I explained what had happened, and they said, no, there's nothing we can do about it, and he was totally within his rights. So I got back onto the police and I said, look, this cannot be right. I said, I'm going to take the stuff down myself. And they said, well, if you do that, you will be charged with criminal damage. Oh. Which is unbelievable. It does seem a little harsh because that stuff is is vicious. Was it an adjoining wall? So it was separating your your fence and, and, and your garden and his garden? That's right, yeah. Yeah. I, I would have thought if it was on the adjoining wall, then your fence, you could you could take it down. No, uh, sorry, it's on the right-hand side of the, the fence going down the right-hand side, so it's actually but, his fence. Oh, OK, right. I can never yeah. work out who owns what fence, and I've had this. No, it's not, I, it's normally the fence on the left is yours, and the one on the right is theirs. I thought that until we had to get a new fence done on the left, and the fellow <laughs> went, no, it's not mine, mate, it's yours, you can pay for it. <laughs> so was, was, was the cat all right in the end? 
Yeah, the cat's all right in the end. And did you speak to the neighbour? I did speak to him. Um, we had a bit of a violent, or almost a violent confrontation. Oh, dear. Um, in the end, he did take it down. Um, mm. And, you know, it's amicable now. OK, well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you've, you've made peace, but blimey. Well, lawyer Nick Freeman uh, joins me now. Morning, Nick. Morning, Ian. You've seen the spikes that are on this gentleman's uh, fence. Yes. Is it legal? We've had lots of people on the Facebook page saying, well, he's breaking the law. That's illegal. Is uh, it illegal? Uh, um, no, I'm afraid the law is on his side. Wow. He would be well advised... I mean, first of all, he'd be well advised to try and sort it out amicably with the neighbours, as your last listeners just pointed out. That, that's the best and most practical and reasonable way of sorting it. But in the event that you can't reach a compromise, he's entitled to put carpets, um, these carpet nails down, tacks, or, or whatever he wants. Even three-inch big spikes? Yes, but he should really put a sign there. It's his property. Right. It's his fence. Yeah. So he can do what he wants with it, but he'd be well advised to put a sign advising that there are these, these items there, these, these three-inch spikes, and, and warning people that they could actually cause injury or damage to person, property, or animal. That way he's completely covered, he's watertight. Um, but it, it's a shame that he needs to go to those measures because one would think that in a reasonable neighbourhood one would speak and, uh, and sort it out on an amicable basis. Well, the thing with cats, though, Nick, I don't know if you have any cats. I, got... I'm a dog man, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm a dear, you see, I don't, I'm a cat man. Right. We can still be friends, though, Nick. We can still work through this. His uh, cats will go, they'll go anywhere, you know, uh, and course, you can't just stop them, can you? Uh, you see, as a dog man, I would say to you, look, you have to assume responsibility for your cats. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to keep them within within a safe territory. And uh, at least you know these spikes are there. So if you know the spikes are there, you're going to take precautions to make sure that the cat doesn't wander over. And, and I would have thought, cats being reasonably intelligent, yes. that if you took them over there and just gently touched their paw on the spike, they would get the message pretty quick. Are, you allowed, right. are you allowed to shoot a, a, a cat with an air rifle? No, you're certainly not. Right, okay. Absolutely not. Good. Well, that's, 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 <laughs> we had an incident of that earlier on in on no, the show. No, whatever garden you're in, you're certainly not allowed to do that. Okay. Uh, and, uh, Nick, very, just very quickly, while we've got you on, this may okay. be beneath you, I don't know, who owns what fence in the garden? Ah, uh, that, that, I'm, I'm not a neighbour neighbor man. I think you've got it right. Yeah. But, of course, um, are you looking in the back or the front? Looking in the front garden from the house, yeah. so there's a fence on the right, there's a fence on the left. Yeah, you, you, you're right in my view, and you're absolutely right. When there's ever damage or some money needs spending, oh, well, let's split it down the middle. Right, <laughs> yes, that's, that's the best <laughs> way around it. Nick, listen, though, we appreciate you coming on. Nick Freeman, thank you very much. So there we go. If you've seen the pictures, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You're, you're wrong, dear listener. He's not breaking the law. He's well within his rights. Now, here's some exciting news. It's the final of the ITV show Splash this weekend, which is filmed at the Inspire Centre in Luton. Linda Barker, Eddie the Eagle Edwards and Jake Canuso huh? are all in this week's final of the diving competition. Now, I've been uh, to Hilborough Infant School in Luton to find out what the kids there make of it. Hello, my name is Lauren. I'm six years old. <laughs> I'm seven years old and I come from Hilbert Infant School and I'm William. I am Hadef and I go and I'm seven and I go to Hilbert Infant School. I'm seven, I'm Bradley and I go to Hilbert Infant School. I'm Marina and I'm seven and I go to Hilbert Infant School. My name is Kazib and, I, and I'm seven years old and I'm from Pakistan. Who likes television? <laughs> what kind of programmes do you like to watch on TV? Grown ups. <laughs> I'm allowed to watch growing up school with my dad. Mm. I'm allowed. I've got lots of things. Football, um... Oh, football, really cool things, not boring things. Okay. Uh, Johnny English, we born. It's funny at the end. It's, it's only funny at the end. Wait, I know one. Johnny says it. 
Johnny Scissor Hands. Do any of you watch a program called Splash? Me. I mean, no, no. I thought you said Splat a lot. No, I said Splash. I want Splash. Do you like Splash? No. Why not? <laughs> because it's it's just boring. Because people just dive. That's all you watch. Is people diving and falling in the Have water. You that, um... But you're watching really famous celebrities learning a new skill and doing amazing dives. But the celebrity. I don't know the celebrity. So what's the point? You don't know who Eddie the Eagle Edwards is? I no. Who, okay, who is Eddie the Eagle Edwards? Uh, he is my boringest man <laughs> ever. Oh, they didn't like it. We, Ella was in there as well. Ella's name didn't get mentioned. Uh, and also, they went on to say they didn't know who Vernon Kay was. They thought he was. They kept saying, Vernon Cake? Is he a cake? I said, No, he's, a, he's Vernon Kay, for goodness sakes. What are you talking about? So they're, they're the wonderful children of Hilbert Infant School. You'll be hearing more from them over the next few weeks. They were fantastic. They were uh, hard work, but they were charming and wonderful. Uh, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm interested to see what you think uh, about this cat story. I know it's, it's the thing that's got you all talking on Facebook. We can do all these worthy stories about depression and children and uh, the, the, the IPCC and all of that stuff. But the thing that always gets you lot fired up is stories about cats and spikes on their fence. What have you done to stop animals coming into your garden? Have you gone as far as, as putting spikes on there? Would you? Uh, Justin Dealey was telling me earlier on, if you do a wee in the corner of your garden, that keeps them away. Uh, has anyone... OK, well, let's put this out there. Has anyone actually done that? Really? Have you had a go? does it work? I don't know if I could be so bold as to do that. 08459 455 555. You can go to facebook.com as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text. If you send a text, do put your name and uh, name on it, please. I'm only going to read them out if they are named. 81333, starting your text 3CR. <laughs> Morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. Just gone. My weekend begins in 57 minutes. I know. I'm sorry. I say it begins. I'll go for a little swim after this. Then we'll have a meeting. And then I'll go home. And we'll play with the boys. Wonderful. I'm taking the oldest to see a show tomorrow at that Lyric Theatre in Hammersmith. Very excited. Then we're sticking around for some messy play. Oh, it's gonna, what a great Saturday. A messy play. Love it. Lots coming up in the last hour, though, including an investigation by this programme has found more than 300 children in the three counties have been diagnosed with serious depression. I'll be speaking to a mental health charity about why they're seeing an increase in calls to their helpline. It's a story that's got you all talking this morning. We weren't even sure if we were going to cover it yesterday, but look, a man in Bedford has put up spikes on his fence to try and stop cats coming into his garden. It's not illegal. So what can you do to stop it from happening? Have your say, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. And it's Friday, so we like to have a little bit of music. Today, Speezy and Sweet Jay are coming in. Yeah, they're from the All Nations Choir and Milton's Ki- Milton Keynes. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties has learned that over 300 children in beds, hearts and bucks aged between 5 and 10 have been diagnosed with serious depression. And the number is rising. 
national charity Young Minds, a mental health service for young people, uh, say they've seen an 18% increase in calls to their help centre with one of the top concerns surrounding depression. Isabella is 10 and has suffered from depression since she was only five years old. She told our reporter, Sophie Solaria, how life has been for her. It felt like a person inside me just couldn't come out and then I felt invisible. I always used to be alone because no one would want to talk to me or anything because I was, like, weird and stuff. I just used to run up to my bedroom and cry for a little bit and then at dinner I would wait upstairs for a little bit for the for the crying to stop and then I used to go to bed quite late because I kept on crying after dinner as well. I just felt like shy, unconfident, didn't want to go to school and some other stuff. It's quite young to feel so sad at 10 years old, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like half of your life has um, gone. When you lose your confidence, you don't want to be around anything or do anything anymore and you just feel tired all the time because cause you stay up quite late and stuff thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. Do some of your other friends ever get sad or depressed? One of my friends do, but then I, then we start talking and seeing if we can sort it all out. But I tell them, don't worry, we can get through it. Well, that's very sad, isn't it? Lucy Russell joins us from Young Minds now. Morning, Lucy. Good morning. What sort of things are, are young people telling you? Um, well, we, we have a parents' helpline, so uh, the 18% rise is actually um, the what parents are ringing about in terms of what they're worried about with uh, their own children. Um, but we do work with young people as well, and I suppose really parents and children are both saying that it's really, really hard growing up um, now because um, at school there's a lot of pressure because it's all about exams and results. Um, you know, there's a lot of children experiencing family breakup. Um, you know, in many urban areas there's a lot of violence around. Well, that's always been the case, hasn't it? There's always been tests and exams and, and families breaking up and, and people losing their jobs. Why, why is it different for children these days? Well, there's more, there's more people losing their jobs. There's less jobs around. There's more testing at school than there used to be. Um, and um, I think the other thing that's a big issue is the whole issue of what's happening to young people online as well because, um, you know, young people communicate through each other, with each other through social networking. So something like Facebook, you know, you can have hundreds of friends, but they're virtual friends and they're not necessarily your own friends that you can talk face-to-face with. And then there's all the cyberbullying and, um, you know, I think, yes, we have always had those things, but I think those things have got worse, which is obviously putting more pressure on children. Then there's also all the issues about body image as well. Um, you know, very young children with eating disorders, feeling very, very aware of their bodies and, um, you know, how they look and this kind of thing about I've got to have the perfect body and the perfect exam results and the, the perfect number of friends. I think, they're, I think that pressure is really hard for them. Would you class it as depression? Um, well, it, it's, 
it's it does range, isn't there? I mean, we all we're all on a continuum from happiness to kind of okayness to feeling sad to actually quite severe um, emotional problems, and so it depends on the child. But you know, that child sounds like she was very she's very unhappy, mm. she's very sad, and you know whether it's you know clinical depression or not children who feel like she does need to get some support and their families mm. need to get support so i don't think it's so much about the label it's about the need and the fact that you know we need to support our young people as much as we can and she's a very articulate mm. young girl Isn't as she, well yeah. yeah where do you stand on on um children under 10 being given medication for depression well, the NICE guidelines, which are the guidelines which are for, um, you know, anyone who works in a clinical setting, including GPs, say that um, antidepressant medication should only be used in very exceptional circumstances and has to be given in addition to psychological therapies. Mm. Um, there's only one type of medication uh, actually recommended to under 10s. Um, but I think, you know, any, any good doctor or psychologist psychiatrist would do other things first which are individual therapy family therapy um talking you know working with the school all those kind of things so it sometimes it has to be done but i think it is very it should very much be a last resort i have to say this lucy because i know there will be people listening to this uh, yeah. who will be saying this at home and you talk about how life is is, is tougher now and the yeah. ki- there is a lot of pressure on kids yeah. but there'll be people listening to this who uh, watched their homes getting bombed by the Nazis, you know, and got separated from their parents with evacuation, things like that. Mm. And they seemed to cope, didn't they? Mm. Well, yeah, it's very interesting, because I think think at that time we lived in a society where there was a very, very strong sense of community, and people were in it together, and people were really looking out for each other. And I think what's happened now is there's a lot more isolation, a lot more kind of alienation and people feeling alone and families feeling alone, kids feeling alone. So I think it's a different time yeah. psychologically, actually. It's interesting and what you say about community. Yes, I, I, I think I'd agree with you on that, that that, that, that is, is, could possibly be a contributing factor to this, that there is yeah. no community or there is, yeah. it's not as, as, as big as it once was. What's your advice to, to, to any, young pe- any young people that might... Be yeah. feeling anxious or feeling yeah. lonely. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if well, the, mo- the most important thing is that you talk to somebody. You know, it's okay how you feel. We all have times when we feel really sad and really alone. So it's important that if you can, you can talk to a parent or maybe a, you know, sister or brother or a friend or someone at school. Um, and it's okay to share it. And it's much better to share it than to stay alone and not talking to anyone. And if if you're a parent and you're worried about a child, you can phone our parents' helpline, um, the details of which are on the Young Minds website. So there's help out there, and it's okay, and it's not bad to be to feel like you feel. Um, just go and talk to someone. Lucy, thank you very much. Lucy Russell from uh, Young Minds. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Cats. Doing a whoopsie in your garden. Would you put spikes up to stop them? John's in Milton Keynes. Morning, John. Morning, Ian. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. What's, what, what's your take on this? Oh, that guy's absolutely disgusting. This is the fella who's put the spikes up. 
Oh yeah, I saw the picture on Facebook, mate. I was like, absolutely appalled by it. It's not just what, just not what, it's not one row of nails. It's like about four, three or four rows of nails. But he's got huge. If he doesn't like animals, well, he's got a right to stop cats coming in his garden and doing a whoopsie, isn't he? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I mean, a story from my side, I've got a lovely, cuddly cat, she's beautiful, she loves to go outdoors, cats are roamers, right? Yeah. Kept going into my neighbour's garden, I couldn't stop it, and she came over one day, she says, can you please keep your cat out of my garden? Ooh. It's very authoritarian sort of, um, you know, voice that she put on, you know. Yeah. And I said, um, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. And she was like, oh, really? I said, yes, can you tell me how to do it, please? And then she sort of steps back, uh, um, uh, um, I said, well, if you can tell me how to do it, then I'll do it quite happily tomorrow or as soon as possible. But you're not going to, they can build a fence as high as they like, a yeah. cat will always find its way into a garden. But, that, but, John, that, 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 but John, it is your responsibility to look after your pet and make sure that, that she's not offending the neighbours. But do you know what I did once as well? She, she looked over the fence at me with this really evil look because my cat just ran out of their garden. Yeah. And then she said, uh, oh, your cat's all coming into my garden. And I said, well, I did actually say to the cat, please don't go into the neighbour's garden. So I've told my cat, but it keeps on doing it. John, supposing this, this neighbour, let's call her Denise, they're often called Denise. Yeah. Supposing Denise picked up your cat's whoopsies and yeah. chucked them back into your garden, would that be okay? Well, um, the thing is, you see... W- um, would that be okay? It wouldn't be okay. I mean, well, there, there you go. So it's okay for the it's okay for your cat to do the whoopsie in her garden. But if she gives it back to you, you're not happy. Well, the thing is, what I might need to do is, is to is, is to basically put my cat. I mean, is there a training course where you can put your John? Animal stop or cat? banging on about right. training cats. If she threw a, your cat's whoopsie back at you while you were having a barbecue with your family, would that be okay? Well, the thing is, see, it yes or no? Come on, it. don't do a no, Nigel no, Young I, on me. Yes I, or no? I would be appalled. I there we go. He'd be appalled. Thank you very much indeed. You see, you can't have it both ways, John. Oh, Jonathan Vernon Smith on the radio, doing his show. Consumer problems, talking to guests. Some are really good. Sometimes they're a bit dull. Jonathan Vernon Smith. <laughs> they are. Let's be honest. You know, you can't you can't deliver gold every day. Oh, thanks very much. Well, it's not your fault. Just sometimes the guests, you know, they're a little bit. They don't. They they sound good on the phone. You get them in. They don't deliver the goods. We've all been there. I sense this is the pot calling the kettle beige. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you can say that my hair looks nice. It does look lovely. Look at it. You've had it all lopped off. I've had it all lopped off. I did some filming for Inside Out Television, uh, London. And uh, I saw myself yesterday, and not only was I very spotty in it... Oh. I know, there's a big red... Next Monday, a big red spot on my face. I said, could you not get rid of that? He said, well, no. Oh, dear. Didn't you put makeup on? No, they don't give you makeup for that. What? No, I know. Uh, and um, also, I had big bouffanty hair, so I went and got it lopped off immediately afterwards. Well... You look very nice. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And you, you look wonderful. Thanks. You really do. Very colourful. Look at you and your your mauve. <laughs> mauve. No one says mauve anymore, do they? You do. Yes, Frequently, I do. whenever well, I come in wearing this jumper. You're constantly wearing it. Well, I like it. Yes, it's, it's looking a little bit bobbly. You don't... <laughs> <laughs> it's looking a little bit bobbly. It's an it? old favourite. It keeps you nice and warm. <laughs> it Listen, does. Can you take your time setting up your show? Because I've got to text my um, sister's phone number to my wife. Right. So if you just take your time, I'm going to do an email. So if you just take your time while oh, you're okay, yeah. Well, I'm I'm picking up on this story you've been running with this morning. I love this. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. You, sorry, what's, no, what's no, going no, on? You're breaking the studio no, now. What? Carry on. No, no, that's it. Fine. Okay. I'm going to send an email. Go you're right. Yes, gonna Are you going to listen to me as well? No, no, no. Just, I know what you're doing, so it's fine. Go on. Okay. 
Uh, on the big phone in this morning at nine, are anti-cat spikes barbaric or a brilliant idea? Seven, six, As Ian has been discussing this morning, a man in one, Bedford seven, has upset neighbours by installing seven. spikes on it. Are you listening to I'm a done. word I'm saying? I'm done. No, I'm not. I'm sending this, this phone number. It's very important. It's my sister's birthday today. D- all right. I'm trying to talk. No, no, but it's my little boy has to phone her up. Uh, this man in Bed- this man in Bedford you've been talking about this morning who has upset his neighbours by installing these spikes on the garden wall to stop cats from getting in. Other residents on his drive say they're worried about the safety of their animals. The man who isn't doing anything illegal. I know some of the listeners were suggesting earlier that he was doing something illegal. He's not. We spoke to a lawyer. No, he's not he's, doing anything illegal. He's tired. He's tired of these cats coming to his garden. He says he's tried absolutely everything, so this is the last resort. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your views. Are anti-cat spikes barbaric or a brilliant idea? I know, a few years ago, I... Do you remember when that lady put a cat in a wheelie bin? I do. I, why, why are you laughing? Because, um, I do remember that. Yeah, it's very sad. Well, I did a phone-in asking, is it funny to put a cat in a wheelie no. bin? And I was absolutely amazed at yeah. the number of people who phoned up and said, it is hilarious. <laughs> I, I would quite like to do the same thing. A lot of people really hate cats. Yes, they do hate cats. They hate cats. My father doesn't like cats. Yes. I have a cat myself. My father has been known to chase cats down the garden with a bottle of water. Wow. Trying to fling the bottle of water at them. Yeah, yeah. He hates cats I in his back garden. I have shot a cat with a water pistol before. What? Well, it was coming in through my cat flap. And that cat flap is for my velvet, so I shot it with a water pistol. My velvet squeezes through that hole, and it, this cat was, was pushing its way in, and so I got out my pistol and I sprayed all over it. And did it work? Yes. Well, from nine this morning, are anti-cat spikes barbaric or a brilliant idea? I want your view. When Ian finishes at nine on 08459455555. Bye-bye. By the way, what's your radio station going to be called? What? What? In Frigiliana? Yes. Forgive him. Do you want a job? This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, cats. We're talking about the cats because of this. I can't believe that Jonathan's going to carry on the topic of cats, but yes, he is. Sorry, he's made me giggle. What do you think about this? Putting cat, Putting spikes up. To stop the cat getting into your garden. Would you do it? Well, Paul's in Bletchley. Morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. How you, are you going? Yeah, you, you've done something like this, haven't you? No, well, what I've done, and I did it years ago, was just get some flat-headed nails about yeah. no more than two inches long. No and, more, yeah. Uh, and, and just drive them into the top of the fence and let them protrude about a centimetre. Um, you know, you can put as many as you like along. So um, it wasn't spike end up, it was flat end up. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. That's a... Yeah, you, I mean, you could spray them white if you want to make them even more visible. <laughs> it usually stops cats, you know how you do, cats climb onto the top of the fence and yes. then start walking along it. Well, it stops them walking along it, by and large. And uh, Did it really work, though? Because c- cats, can, <laughs> cats can balance on pretty much anything. So a few nails, flathead, I thought that would be quite an easy surface for them well, to walk along. <laughs> Well, you, yeah, it might not work completely, but I mean, it also acts as the deterrent to, to would-be um, burglars, shall we say, you know, or kids who might <laughs> want to shimmy over your fence, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> quite... <laughs> Why would a child want to shimmy over your fence? Well, in the past, <laughs> we, we used to have... <laughs> we used to have a... Well, it, 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 put it this way, yes. it stops you even worrying about it, put it that way. Most, <laughs> did, most, you, did you ever... Most burglars or people wouldn't be walking around with a hammer to, ba- to bang the nails in, you see. Or at least if they did, you'd hear them, wouldn't you? But 
<laughs> Did you ever look out of your bedroom window into your back garden and see some kids shimming in, in your garden? Uh, well, years ago, when on the estate we had, right. we had every family had young kids. It's just that it it saves you worrying about it, really, and also, um, yeah, you, you know. So, and it's a very. I mean, what's a bag of nails? A couple of quid it doesn't <laughs> hurt anybody. You know, it doesn't hurt the animals either. And even the chap who put the carpet stuff on the top of the fence, if he'd got some nails and just bang, just so it was clearly visible, you put a few nails along as well, it would have probably deterred the cat from, uh, yeah. fr- from you know, it, it's not 100%, no, but it's very no. cheap, and uh, and it's quite it's well, a pretty good solution. I don't think it's against the law, either. No, well, according to um, our, our yeah. uh, cat correspondent, Justin Dealey, yeah. if you do a wee-wee in your garden, that will stop cats coming in. Would you uh, ever yeah. consider doing a wee-wee in your garden? Uh, well, maybe occasionally. I would have thought creosote was probably a better idea. You know, if you painted the top of the fence with creosote, that would probably... Uh, <laughs> Paul, <laughs> listen, thank you very much indeed. Kieran's from Milton Keynes. Kieran. Hi there. Uh, yeah, what, what's, uh, <laughs> what's your take on this, please? Um, we moved into a new house, and this patch had come into the garden from two doors down. Yeah. My wife decided just to go out and buy the cheapest box of, like, dry cat food. Yeah. And fed the cat, and it stopped. We lived there for five years, and the cat never came back into the garden and went to the toilet in the garden. Hang on a minute. So the cat would come in, do a whoopsie, and, and, yeah. and then go. But you, yeah. you, you, you got rid of the cat by feeding it? By feeding it. It'd keep coming in the garden, have something to eat, and then would leave and stop going to the toilet in the garden. But how, how many t- did you have to keep on feeding it? Oh, she kept on feeding it, yes, but for a cheap, like, box of dry food, which yeah. was costing about a pound, yeah. the last week or two, um, it stopped the cat coming in the garden and going to the toilet. We had a fella on earlier on who um, was, was annoyed because uh, the uh, his cat would go next door and the neighbour came back and said, look, can you stop your cat going next door? Uh, and he, he said, well, my cat roams anywhere it wants to, but he would have got yeah. upset if the neighbour had chucked that whoopsie back in his garden. Did you ever chuck a whoopsie back? No, no, never. never, Would you ever consider chucking a whoopsie back? Well, um, but no, no. Okay, well, Kieran, thank you very much. Well, Roger Mugford is an animal psychologist. I was wondering how Jonathan was going to get an hour out of this. It looks like he's going to do it very, very easily. Uh, Roger, morning. Uh, What do you think about this? Putting big two-inch, three-inch spikes up on a fence to stop a cat coming (laughs) in. I'm horrified. The world neatly divides into two, those who love cats and those who love dogs. Sensible people and the dog lovers, yes. And and you've had lots of uh, cat haters calling in, I'm sure, but... um, but uh, no, you, it's, it's actually against the law to p- place dangerous um, boundaries up. Well, Roger, we spoke. To... We spoke to a lawyer, and he said, "No, it's not. He's, he's, he should put a sign up to cover himself, but he's well within his rights." Well, farmers aren't allowed to put a barbed wire along foot, public footpaths for this very reason that you know, someone could injure themselves uh, mm. by running into them in the dark. I suppose. Um, but aside from that, um, it's just a, an unpleasant thing to do and an unneighbourly act, isn't it? Yes. And there are other ways which um, the listeners may. Be interested in give us your top tips on how to keep cats out of your garden well, first first number one top tip is um, go to the rescue center and and buy yourself a jack russell terrier as they're reliably uh, antagonistic towards cats you look at if you got roger if you've got cats coming in doing a whoopsie you know you're not gonna want a dog that's gonna do even more whoopsies and grab your leg and make love to it but they're not nearly such smelly whoopsies no dogs. that's true and they leave them on the surface whereas cats bury them so that when you're doing your spring gardening uh, you come across all these middens and and the second good tip C- come is across these what 
middens. In other words, they they have particular favourite sp- spots that they like to go to the toilet. I never but midden midden. So a midden is uh, on a, f- a farm where you you chuck the dung from your cowhouse or that. Sort oh, of it's thing. a dung heap. I didn't realise. Okay, yes, I've never heard um, the word so midden. Thank you for that. Are, cats like to go to the same spot. Now, the the reason that uh, it's your garden as opposed to somebody else's garden yeah. that the cats like is because you are you create a friable surface, so you dig it over, and they like to bury their feces. So if you st- stop digging your garden over or even cover it in some of the uh, sort of permeable meshes that you get in garden centres, that would be good. Um, there are specific products which claim to be cat repellents. One is an ultrasonic, um, and and f- at least in the short term, it will give limited um, mm. repellency and, of course, doesn't cause any harm, but will upset the cat next door. So think carefully about whether you use that. And, and the, the other is there is a, a, a chemical product which is just as an obnoxious uh, smell that's sold in garden centres that claims to, if you like, get cats out of your garden. We, we've uh, been told urinating in your garden. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> when nobody's watching, hopefully. Yes. Um, uh, I doubt it very oh. much. Um, I think it would probably more likely be an attractant. Um, but um, oh. as a cat owner... You have a, a, um, obviously a moral responsibility to see where your cat goes, but you don't have any obligation in law because cats are technically wild animals. Oh. And I expect the lawyer said that. Yes. Anime ferry. So you're not responsible for what your cat gets up to. You are for what your children get up to, your dog gets up to, your horse gets up to, but cats have struck it lucky in law. Roger, listen, we've got to end it there because we're running out of time, but I could, I could speak to you all morning. Absolutely fascinating. Roger Mugford, animal psychologist. Uh, well, Jonathan Vernon-Smith is carrying this on at nine o'clock. Are anti-cat spikes barbaric or a brilliant idea? What do you think? You can start calling him now if you want. 08459 455 555. You can also send him an email as well. jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Put your phone number and your details in there and the, the, the team will get back. You could be on the JVS show. Always a cracking listen. On FM, AM and online. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here we go. JVS is on at nine o'clock. Always worth a listen. If you've not listened before, it's, it's, it's a cracking bit of radio. I thoroughly recommend it. In the last 30 minutes of this nonsense, a pair of mystery football boots. Mystery football boots. That have been sitting in a box in Hitcher Museum for around 30 years actually belongs to a rather famous footballer. Well, Justin Dilly has been to see them. Uh, and it's Friday. So we like to end the show on a Friday with a little bit of music. Today we've got Speezy and Sweet Jay from the All Nations Choir in Milton Keynes are going to be joining me in the studio. So, Splash, it's coming to an end. ITV, it's their flagship show. It finishes on uh, Saturday. It's filmed at the Inspire Centre in Luton. Linda Barker, Eddie the Eagle Edwards and Jake Canuso are all in this week's final of the diving competition. We knocked it when it started. I hadn't seen it when I knocked it, and I'm ashamed of myself, because I then did watch it, thinking, oh, I'm going to watch this rubbish. It's going to be awful. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. It was wonderful. It's a great show. Well, I went to Hills, uh, sorry, Hilborough Infant School in Luton to find out what the kids there are watching and what they think of Splash. And as always, very, very honest... Hello, my name is Lauren. I'm six years old. <coughs> I'm seven years old, and I come from Hilbert Infant School. And I'm William. I am Hade Fanago, and I'm seven, and I go to Hilbert Infant School. I'm seven, I'm Bradley, and I go to Hilbert Infant School. I'm Marina, and I'm seven, and I go to Hilbert Infant School. My name is Kazib, and, I, and I'm seven years old, and I'm from Pakistan. Who likes television? <laughs> what kind of programmes do you like to watch on TV? Grown ups. <laughs> 
I've got lots of things. Football, um, well, football, really cool things, not boring things. Okay. Uh, Johnny English, we born. It's funny at the end. It's, it's only funny at the end. Well, I know one. Johnny Scissor, Johnny Scissor hands. Do any of you watch a program called Splash? Me. No, no. I thought you said Splat a lot. No, I said Splash. I want Splash. Do you like Splash? No. Why not? <laughs> Because it's it's just boring. Because people just dive. That's all you watch is people diving and falling in the water. But you're watching really famous celebrities learning a new skill and doing amazing dives. But the celebrity, I don't know the celebrity. So what's the point? You don't know who Eddie the Eagle Edwards is. I no, but it's boring. Who? Okay, who is Eddie the Eagle Edwards? He is my boringest man. <laughs> well, there you go. Isn't that rude? Poor Eddie the Eagle Edwards. I've got to say, Ella was in there as well. She didn't introduce herself at the start. Uh, and this is... Now, the more I think of it, that was the genius of Strictly Come Dancing. Tracy Beaker. Tracy Beaker was on it. Splash should have got, I don't know, the equivalent of Tracy Beaker. Rod, Jane and Freddie. No, hang on a minute. That's a little bit... Uh, they should have got Andy from CBeebies. Or Alex from CBeebies. Or, you know, they should have got Mr Maker. Or someone like that. That was their problem, you see. Always, TV companies, learn from uh, Tracy Beaker, always get someone from CBBC or CBBS on your reality show, and you'll get the young, you'll, those youngsters would have loved it then. If they could see Justin Fletcher, uh, as um, th- that silly clown character he do- does, jumping off of a five-metre diving board, they would have loved that. They would have loved it. Now, it's been revealed that a pair of mystery football boots that have been sitting in a box in Hitcher Museum for around 30 years actually belonged to the legendary Sir Stanley Matthews. Matthews was the David Beckham of the 1940s and 50s, to put it in context for you kids. He was the first professional footballer to be knighted, and he didn't stop playing until he was 50 years old. Well, someone who's uh, approaching 50 is our football correspondent, Justin Dealey. You've been there to find out more. I have indeed, and I'll tell you what, Ian, you will have listeners tuning in this morning who would have seen Sir Stanley Matthews play football. The man was an absolute genius. Listen, even I've heard of him. Yeah, well, he played until he was 50 years old. Uh, In actual fact, spooky this, Um, I didn't know this until this morning, he was actually born on this very day, back in 1915. hang on a minute, that's a bit freaky. It is a bit freaky. He was the only player to have been knighted whilst still playing. So, these boots have been in Hitchin since the 1980s, but only now have they discovered that they belong to the legend that is Sir Stanley Matthews. The museum is currently closed because they are moving to the town hall, but I've been inside the museum this morning. I've been talking to the curator, David Hodges, and this is what happened. Well, David, here we are looking at these historic boots, the boots of Sir Stanley Matthews. How do you know they are his boots? That's the big question. A bit of detective work, really. Um, We linked, we found, we'd always had the boots um, as a catalogue part of the collection. Since the 80s. Yeah, and we knew the boots dated to the 1950s. So when we were doing sort of some further research recently... Um, it was a link, a question of linking some old um, handwritten records that we, we then found some typed records as well, going back to the 50s, and then we managed to link them with two photographs yeah. of the original curator of the collection, Vic Whaling, showing off the boots. So they are definitely his boots, and the ridiculous thing is, these boots have been in a box since the 1980s, gathering dust, haven't they? Um, I wouldn't say gathering dust because we do. We keep everything. We keep we keep everything clean here. Um, 
and they have actually been on display as part of um, various temporary exhibitions. But it's the it, it's the it's the significance of yeah. the boots that has come to light, not the boots themselves. It's the significance. Yeah. And very very exciting. So, how much are these boots worth then? That's something I'm not able to comment on. <laughs> I'm afraid. Are we talking millions though, or yeah. thousands? Um, I can't say at all. It's part of museum ethics. Um, but we, we're not allowed to discuss things in terms of values. So when can people come and see these then? Um, they're going to be part of the... Um, they're certainly going to be on display in the new North Hertfordshire Museum, um, which is open at the end of 2014. Um, before, until then, um, we were working behind the scenes, getting everything, getting everything ready, working with designers and builders, etc., to just make it the best possible museum. Um, in the meantime, we are doing some behind-the-scenes tours, uh, so there might be a chance to get a little peek during then. Well, I wish you every success. Just lastly, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about this find? I'd give it a 10, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and that's as a non-football fan. Oh, come I'm on. Get, I'm, big, I'm getting converted now. Well, listen, Ian back in the studio is not a big football fan. I'm going to be taking him to Luton versus Millwall. Do you fancy it as well? Yeah, I did, I was, I did hear about that. Mm. They're all uh, a lot of Facebook Is fans. that a yes, then? <laughs> actually, yeah. I wouldn't mind at all. Always <laughs> day out. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, Have a Justin. <laughs> Thank you. Justin, you invited... A, I thought it was going to be me and you. You've invited a mu- museum <laughs> bloke to our day out. Oh, you come on. You thought it was going to be special. Uh, slightly awkward moment there with David Hodges, the curator. So these boots have been gathering dust since the 1980s. You got told. Uh, uh, no. In actual fact, we are very, very clean. To touch these boots in, yes. I had to put a pair of white gloves on. Well, there's a picture of you touching these boots. Yes, if people yes. want to see Justin Dealey touching boots, then go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr he did own you that man didn't he he did a bit yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we keep we keep everything very clean here. And look, I, I, i'll be honest right this is what the, the, i love museums i'm such a fan of museums all museums whatever it's about i think they're wonderful and anything they can do to get more people in is great mm. keeping those boots until the end of 2014 yeah that I think that's ridiculous. They're teasing you. you see, they, they but, are but, teasing you up. Well, I, I would quite, I would literally, I would quite like to go and see these boots. Yeah. yeah. But the end of 2014, so two years away. All right, that's, <laughs> hey, that's a sensible marketing plan. We've got this amazing thing. We've only just found out what they are. Yeah. Let's keep it for another two years. But Let's keep reason, it for us for another two years. But the whole reason they found them is because they are moving. So you, you've got to look on the positive there. Had they have not moved, these boots would have been kept in the box. Is, not gathering dust, mind you, but they are moving to the town hall. <laughs> is that museum open now, no, it's not open right, right now because what they're doing, they're moving to okay. the town hall in Hitchin yep. in 2014. Lend it, lend it to a football museum. Let, what, what, what club did Matthews play for? He played for Stoke, he played for Blackpool, right. uh, absolute lend, legend play for England as well. Lend, lend, lend them out, lend them out, get them in, in glass cabinets in football stadiums all, stadia, all around the country. I tell you what, I'm going to phone David Hodges right now, the curator, who I'm sure is sitting there listening to this in horror, and I shall reveal your idea. And you never know, they might take you... It's a great idea, though, because these boots are so historic, now we know they, they are. were. The Sir Stanley Matthews boots, let the public see them. Fantastic, Justin, well done, excellent stuff as always. And it does sound cracking, but listen, you can't keep those for another two years. Let them out. Take them to, to, to various football clubs around the country. Have them in a glass case. Get them on display. It's a wonderful piece of history, isn't it? It's, in, it's, it's fascinating. Obviously, museums can't have everything on display because there's just too much stuff. And I was at the, uh, the V&A last week, and I got to go behind the scenes at the V&A and see the, um, uh, the original drawing of, like, a sketch of the London Underground map. So the guy that, that, that designed the London Underground map, anyone... 
anyone? Harry Beck. Uh, or Henry Beck, depending on what, what day you, you catch him on. Both names apply. He kind of drew, like in a notepad, his rough sketch of what the underground looked like. And they've got it stored, they've got it in storage. I'm going, why don't you put this, why don't you put this out on display? This is proper living history. Wonderful. 1931 he drew it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. My friend's friend works at the Natural History Museum. And we went there for a kid's party. He took us behind the scenes of the Natural History Museum. I got to go in the room where they've got loads of monkeys in jars. I know! Loads of pickled monkeys in jars. It's incredible! Pickled monkeys in jars. It's a secret room. You're not allowed in there. I went in there. Yes, I saw it. Get those boots out on display. Come on. People want to see it. Texts 81333, starting your text 3CR. Put your name on, otherwise it won't get read. About cats. We put spikes and razor wire on fences to keep intruders out. Cats and other wildlife see the spikes and avoid them. Anyway, you can buy spikes in several catalogues to put on fences to deter cats, says Amanda. Phil says, no sympathy for selfish cat owners who get all uppity when people take offence at them not taking responsibility for their animals. See, people on the Facebook are defending the cats, and on the texts, you're not Tracy and Milton Keynes. Cats are a pain. I don't like cats. It's not fair that I should clean their mess. I'm not seeing the picture on Facebook, but spikes sound like a good idea. Brenda says, you can buy something called tiger dung. Oh, no. Uh, Sharon says, did you know you can get rows of rubber spikes to deter cats? These are harmless but uncomfortable, so they don't walk on it. And I would find it acceptable for my cat poo to be returned, provided it was possibly positively identified as ours. You're not going to start running DNA tests on it, are you? Who's the daddy? Jeremy Kyle style. Kyle style. Hmm. I'm thinking of something there. Uh, on the subject of the Stanley Matthews boots, if you want to see the picture, um, and see Justin's lovely jacket, his quilted jacket, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. Gary Henderson has posted, Stanley was a real footballer. Nothing like Beckham. When they played the game, they played it because they loved it, not for the money. Um, Gary, sorry, have you seen... All of the newspapers today that says David Beckham is giving away his three million pound salary to children's charity in France, so he's not doing it for the money. So I don't quite get that point. Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Jonathan Vernon Smith is is doing his vocal warm up in the studio next door. <laughs> it's, uh, he really does make himself. He, he takes himself to the peak for you, dear listener. There's nothing he won't uh, stop at to give you good radio. Joyce is in Lee Grave. Morning, Joyce. Oh, good morning. You've morning. got a tip for keeping mucky cats out of your garden. <laughs> yes, I've been through all the bits you've been talking about today. It's quite right about the police, the signs, and all that. But yes. uh, my mum had a little vegetable plot. Yes. And and um, quite small, but it was okay. And we had this cat every time. And every time you went into the garden to do get anything out, this horrible smell, and there you go. Anyway, I was told yeah. to get some clear bottles, mineral bottles, you know, pop lemonade or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Empty them out, fill them up with water, take the labels and things off, yeah, obviously. Obviously. And put them in each corner. Chuck them over the cat. <laughs> Throw <laughs> no, them at the cat. Cruel, no. Thank you. No. <laughs> And uh, to put them in the garden, in the corner of this little herb plot. Yes. Or anywhere they jump over your fence. Yeah. And when they pass it quickly, the reflection in that filled bottle of water makes them think it's another cat. What? What? Is there a reflection in water? Yeah. When the movement... Does, wa- does water reflect in bottles? When, I'm trying yeah, to think. And I... when, when the movement of the cat passes it, especially in the sun, sunshine or the yeah. light... Yeah. Uh, it picks up a movement, and they think it's some other 
Hang on a minute. If I've got a bottle of, of water, yeah. right, and I'm looking in it, there's no reflection. You just see out the other side. Yeah, but when it's outside and the sun is shining on it, or it's light, and oh. the movement out there, ah. it, it shines, you see. Oh. And the bottle shines and doesn't know what it is, because you can't see the bottle. It's oh. clear. Yes. And he thinks then, or she thinks, it's a cat. So You see, what you see sometimes is, this is mainly to scare away birds, maybe this works on cats, you see horrible people who put um, CDs, they hang CDs oh, in I their see, garden. I've seen that. Oh, it looks disgusting. Oh. I just think it looks a little, it does look a little bit common, doesn't it? Well. You wouldn't want CD. I'd rather have cat poo than CDs. <laughs> I know. Anyway, just a thought. Well, yeah. thank Joyce, thank you very much indeed. Andy is uh, from Henlow. Good morning, Andy. Hello, mate. You all right? I'm, I'm all right. What's your take on this? But, um, I just, a couple of, I mean, putting nails up isn't morally right. Right. But there's, a, there's a couple of things. Um, black pepper, if, when the cats have, um, do their business, if, if, if you, uh, sprinkle down black pepper, yeah. when the cats come along, they sniff it, they don't like it, and they won't go there anymore. Oh. We, we, we have it. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've put some crocuses in, uh, in a flower bed. Yeah. In my own garden. And that, with the cats, and they dug it up and, and cracked in there. Yeah. Um, and then somebody told me about putting the black pepper down. So put the black pepper down. And they never went there again. Have you heard, so, Andy, have you heard so, about these deviants that put black pepper on strawberries and eat it? No, I don't, know. People, people do this, they get, their, they get strawberries, they put black pepper on it, and they think it enhances the taste. What a disgusting thing to do! Well, I wouldn't do it on cat food. No, we, I certainly wouldn't do that. Andy, listen, thank you very much indeed. We've got a couple of uh, uh, comments about this. We'll, we'll get to you two in a minute. We've got guests in the studio. The, the cat poo is what everyone wants to talk about, but we'll get to you in a minute. I promise, I promise, I promise. Um, Trevor says, use ultrasonic cat scarers. They're high-pitched sque- uh, speaker systems. Absolutely brilliant bits of kit. You place them in your garden, and when a cat breaks the beam, oh, it emits a high-frequency sound that cats hate. Hate. Some humans can hear them, usually younger ones. Oh. Well, so, hang on, what about the kids? Uh, Lisa says, my cats use a litter tray. They never venture past the boundary. Very strange. It's like an invisible force field that keeps them in. Uh, cats hate citrus, says Al. Orange or lemon smells around the perimeter of your property may deter cats. Oh, we'll see about that. Listen, it's Friday. and I'm with Enough of this nonsense, because we've got um, some music to end the week on, as we always do. All this serious talk about kids with depression and, and cats. So we've got the All Nations Choir from Milton Keynes. Right, we've got to introduce yourselves. Who have we got? Um, Sweet Jay. Sweet Jay. And I'm Speezy. Speezy. Now, were these the names you were christened with? Your parents gave you these names? No. <laughs> no <they're> not. Listen, <laughs> I'm not being funny, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I was told we had a choir coming in. There's, on- <laughs> there's only two of you. Two of you does not a choir make. Where's everyone else? Could they not be bothered? <laughs> well, what it is is that the, this is a song that you picked up that we're going to be performing. We right. wrote it. Yeah. You know, we produced it, arranged it, and wrote yeah. it ourselves. We yeah. just needed, you know, like a few backing vocals. Yeah. And one of them caught a bag. So, obviously, that we couldn't come in and sing all Likewise. the harmonies properly, so we'll try and, you know, manage it. You, well, you, now, well, listen, he says try and manage it. Yeah. I, listen, I, this is a top-notch breakfast show that we do here, the Ian Lee Show. We don't mess around. Is, is this going to be any good? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be right. Tell me a little bit about the choir. What is the All Nations Choir? Well, All Nations Community Choir is um, a community choir that we formed in 2012. Yeah. Um... It's actually a choir that uh, brings together people from different cultures and ethnic backgrounds. We aim to, um, you know, er- eradicate segregation. Um, so we use music to do that. And, uh, you know, anything through performing arts, yeah. anything performing arts is what All Nations Community... And how's that eradication for. going? Y- y- is it y- you having positive well, effects? it's a very hard thing to do because, you know, a lot of people are divided and yeah. stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's got quite a positive, you know... Brilliant. 
Listen, should we, should we, should we, are you ready? Are you warmed up? You ready for the song? You oh, think? yeah, yeah. we're always yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always ready to go. I like your style. I like your style. Listen, what's the song called? It's called The Calling. But we'll do a little intro in the beginning and then roll through The Calling. You, you go for, I'm going to turn my microphone off. You're on your own. Away you go. Okay. Call me ST, a girl with heart. Heart of a Leo is my zodiac star. Yes, my brethren, I'm on par. Never challenge, I catch you from afar. Oh, excuse me, you asked me a question. Yes, I'm proud to say that I'm a Christian kingdom child. I'm wild for my father, I make you smile. I'm the king's ambassador. Uh, in other thing to me, yeah. When it rough, me and bend the knee, and me pray every day to make it better. I hate to gun, get to me standing straight up. Me earn enough for them things, uh. Me puff and things, eh? Me say me puff and things, eh? So me get up and things, eh? Ah 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 so that's the intro. Oh, is that, is that, that's not even the song. That's the intro. Oh, this is not even the song. This is brilliant. <laughs> I'm loving that. I want some beatbox ticks off you. Right, carry on. You've done the intro. Right, carry on. Carry on. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Go. Bum 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 Go, I'll have some of that. I lo- I'm loving the bum da bum bums. That was brilliant. <laughs> Listen, that's perfect timing as well. We've come very quickly. If the people want to come and see you or get involved, is there a website or something they can go and look at? Yeah, um, they can check us out on www.anccmk.webs.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Excellent timing as well. There we go. That's not bad, is it? What a lovely way to end the show. Back on Monday at six o'clock. Do stick around, though, because the excellent JVS is up next. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Try following that. Good Lord.